morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Bat Around. Coming to you live from the Baltimore Towson area in our press box studios. It is a crisp and cool but lovely Saturday morning here in Baltimore. I'm Paul Valley. He's Zach Goodman. You are in live on the Bat Around. Today's show brought to you by your local Chick fil A. If you're looking for a simple holiday meal, try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. So it is the first Saturday following the winter meetings. Our very own Zach Goodman, thank the Lord above, he did not leave us for a big wig position with the Orioles or any other baseball team of the 30 that were represented out there in San Diego. Uh, Zach, seems like you had a great time. You were rubbing elbows with the likes of Mike Elias and Matt Blood and Heim Bloom and Alex Cora and sure, Jose yeah. Bautista. You ran into Nelson <laughs> Cruz. Yeah. You said you gave a little fist bump to Paul Moncano. Yeah, he had no idea who I was, but I did talk to Paul Moncano in the form of a fist bump. So, in and, the and, form of a fist bump. And Rich Dubroff as well. Very so, nice. Fr- friend Very of the nice. show. Friend and, you of the know, show. He, he's heard my voice how many times now, but he has no idea what I look like. I realized that. And I saw him talking to Ryan Flaherty. Dubroff was talking to Flaherty mm-hmm. for new, a while. New Padres hitting um, coach. Yeah. And I, I was staring at that conversation. I was thinking, you know, if I go up to Rich, he's going to go, who the hell are you? So, you know, I, I just didn't. But did, he, did he hit you with a who the hell are you? He did not hit me with a who the hell are you. But uh, but Rock Kubako might have. I gave him a fist bump as well. So And he was like, who's, the, who's, who's this You know, guy? I, I was meeting with a guy outside uh, behind the hotel at one point, and Rock was standing on th- – I think he was on the phone with a call that was uh, with, with Scott Boris. I believe that's what it was because okay. he was tweeting about it just afterwards. So I think that's what he was doing, and, and Durolf is tweeting about the same thing. But Rock was walking around basically in a circle. Over and over and over, just pacing on the, fo- on the phone. On the phone. <laughs> so I got to watch. I got to watch our good buddy well, Rock Kabako. R- Rock is Rock is has, is so big with his he b- with his Rock Kabako's biceps that he needs all the space so people get out of mm. his way as mm-hmm. he as he walks around. Uh, you know, Rock says that he's that Masson won't let him do anything other than like the local TV stations yeah. and local radio, and that sucks because Rock's a great interview. He's awesome. He's I, awesome. I, I, I've I had him on. I, th- I think we've had him on this show one time. No, he was scheduled to do our opening day show uh, in 2020, Correct, and then yeah. the season got pushed. Um, like and he was on the Payoff Pitch podcast that I used mm. to do for Utah Street before Utah Street Report before I got this gig. Um, and I would have, I would love to talk. He was so so gracious to me. I'd love to talk to him again, but it's nearly impossible uh, these days. Now we're going to get into your entire winter meetings. Um, foray everything that you did out there we're gonna get into that entire experience a little bit later in the show so we were supposed to have a new Orioles beat writer for MLB.com Jake Rill on the program and he was fired up to do the show and then 515 this morning he sends me a message saying that he woke up with a really sore throat and he's he's just not gonna have a voice to be able to do the show today and it's unfortunate he seems like a really good guy we're gonna get him on again soon Um, but as it stands right now, we no longer have a guest in the 11 o'clock hour. I did reach out to some other people. I'm waiting to hear back. But if nobody gets back to us, that's okay because we have plenty to talk about, plenty to cover. Uh, later in the show today, we are going to do Zach's uh, sounding off with Zach Goodman, the winter meetings. Uh, and then we are going to do um, baseball banter. We're going to do the biggest winners 
middling teams and losers of the winter meetings. And when we do this, it's important to note, and I'll note it again before the segment, that we're not going to include like the Oakland Athletics or the Miami Marlins or any of those, or the Colorado Rockies. We're not going to include those teams because to be a... To be considered a winner or a loser of the winter meetings, there have to be expectations, right? And I feel like for those teams right now, currently there aren't expectations. Now, there are expectations that the Marlins could be trading from their, their stockpile of young, controllable pitching. Yeah. But again, even they haven't done anything to this point that makes you think that they're going to be in contention in that loaded NL East well, next I, year. You know, I'll defend the Rockies real quick because last year they went out and signed Chris Bryant and nobody thought they'd do that. So I'll defend them. Maybe yeah, but that, there's no defending that because a year before that or two years before that they traded Nolan Arenado. A year before that they traded Nolan Arenado right after signing him to this huge deal. Uh, and it's like, what what are we even doing? Wouldn't you rather have Nolan Arenado than Chris Bryant? Yes, exactly. So yeah. what what are, what are we thinking there? So I give no credit to the Colorado Rockies. Um, but yeah, so we're going to do that. The, the biggest winners, the biggest middling teams uh, that kind of went both ways, I guess, and the losers of the winter meetings. Um, if we don't get a guess, we'll also do Orioles banter and just talk about what's left out there. Um, fans, are I don't know if you've heard, um, liftoff uh, got stuck on the launch pad. Um, yeah, so, in, yeah, bad choice of words by Mike, yeah, <laughs> apparently. Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of backpedaling this week, and I hate to use that terminology. Um, I'm wondering... You know, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that later. We are going to talk about what the Orioles did do. And, of course, right after the show ends and Zach's on his way to the airport last Saturday, the Orioles go out and sign Kyle Gibson, uh, literally right after the show. They sign him one year, $10 million, um, 10, and, 10 and 8 with a 5.05 ERA and 31 starts, covering 167 thirds innings pitched in 2022. He was an All Star with Texas in 2021. Yeah. He went six and three with a 2.87 ERA and 19 starts with Texas before he was traded to Philadelphia. Texas had the number one defense in baseball, and he's a ground ball pitcher, and he you know thrived with that defense behind him. He went to the Phillies, who were a bottom five defense, and his ERA ballooned above five. Ended up with like a three. 9-7 ERA for the season that year, although he did win, win. He did win 10 games. I believe he went 10-9. and nine. Um, Seven seasons with at least 10 wins. Four seasons with, with at least 179 in the third innings pitch, which is the exact number that Jordan Lyles recorded last season for the uh, Orioles yeah. following his 180 se- innings pitch season the year before. So it was two highest totals for Jordan Lyles back-to-back years, 2021 and 2022. Yeah. Um, Kyle Gibson has done that four times, including 196 innings one year and 194 innings another year. Um, so they got an innings either. They got another innings eater. When you think about the Jordan Lyles buyout for a million dollars, it was either pick up his option for $11 million or buy him out for a million. Yeah. They bought him out for a million, and then they gave $10 million to Kyle Gibson. So they essentially paid the same exact amount of money for Kyle Gibson. Zach, why is Kyle Gibson worth the money and Jordan Lyles isn't. Well, I mean, the, I think they're hoping to rekindle the magic he had in Texas two years mm-hmm. ago. And the defense that the Orioles have is, is that's very exa- That's exactly where I was going to go with this. The dimensions of Camden Yards, the new dimensions, Adley Rutschman, and the defense of the Orioles, I think is why. I think that's the three reasons Kyle Gibson came here, and Rock wrote that in his blog, and, and all the other writers have wrote the same thing. Kyle Gibson 
preferred Baltimore because of those things. Mm. And I also I think believe he chose Baltimore over Toronto he did. because of that. Because those things are going to make him better, and he knows that. Like you said, Phillies were a bad defense. I mean, look at guys like Gene Segura. Look at guys like Alec Bohm. These are not good defenders over there. Uh, they made the World Series because of their bats, and that was a, a thing that, you know, they have power across the board. They don't have defensive stature across the board, and the Orioles do. Um, you know, they've got guys like Mateo who should have won a gold glove. They've got guys like Ramon Arias who did. The infield, uh, and not even to mention the outfield, is very defensively sound. So I believe that Kyle Gibson and the Orioles both uh, have a mutual feeling that the defense is really going to propel him to come be, be a, a version, let's say a version, of what he was in Texas. I, I think what you're going to see with Kyle Gibson is you're going to get to May or June, and Orioles fans are going to be like, this guy's really good. I, 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 Maybe. I, I think, honestly, I think that's what's going to happen. Okay. Because I think that because, of, like you said, the dimensions, the defense, and he averaged, I think, over the last six weeks of the season, averaged something like 10.4 strikeouts per nine. Yeah, so no, he did. That, and he it, did. it went up from from six and a half to ten and a half yeah. the last six weeks of the year. Um, so you look at that, and maybe and you look at what this this um, coaching staff mm-hmm. did for all the and the, the the pitching development department did for the pitchers on the Orioles last year. Yeah. And you have to think this guy could thrive in this situation. This could be a perfect situation. And I look at him and they're going we're going to be talking about him I think in a better light than we talked about Jordan Lyles. And after Jordan Lyles first start last year from his second start on, we were like, this is a dude. We like this guy. And that's why yeah. we wanted him back. Despite some really bad starts down the stretch where the Orioles really needed him to come through, we still loved what he did at, at by the, the time the season ended. And I think Kyle Gibson's going to be in the same light. So here's one thing that I think is going to be kind of unfair to Gibson. And that's the fact that if the Orioles don't sign another pitcher, say they go through this whole offseason and there's no other starter, which I think is unlikely, but that puts a lot of pressure on Gibson. That makes a lot of fans look at him and say, okay, he's not maybe a number four or five now. We look at him as as more of that middle of the rotation guy, maybe a two mm-hmm. or three. Mm-hmm. And I think it puts unfair pressure on him, and he'll be held to a different standard than he would have if the Orioles do sign another guy. And I, I totally understand that, yeah. and that's human nature. That If that's the one guy that they come away with mm-hmm. this offseason in the pitching department... It, there's a lot of undue pressure yeah. on him. And that's I, how I felt about Lyles a little bit. Like, there was pressure that it wasn't really fair because well, he was meant to be a four or five. Well, but but the, not here. Not here. Maybe not last year. Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. They were coming off a 110 loss season. He was signed for $7 million. He was brought in to do exactly what he did, and he became a number two or a number three on this team. Yeah. The, the problem here is now you have expectations. You're not coming off a 52-win season. You're coming off an 83-win season. Yeah. And your, your general manager is talking, we want to make the postseason this year. Well, now the expectations are higher because if you want to make the postseason, you damn better believe that the that the fans want to yeah. make the postseason. And then you make these comments the the we're going to add to the to the to the major league team. We're going to significantly increase payroll. It's lift off from here. And when you look at it at face value, that says, "Hey, look, we're about to to take off here." Yeah. No. When you look at it again, when you look at what the Orioles have done, you look at the comments from the winter meetings, and then you go back and look at the original quote from Mike Elias, you can kind of see, and we began to talk about this last week, where 2023 is still a big year of evaluation yeah. for the Orioles. You have so many young players coming up, and I, and I said it last week, you can, you're going to have potentially, by midseason, 
three out of four infield positions w- with rookies, two out of three um, outfield spots with rookies, a couple of rookies in your starting rotation. This is, while you expect the Orioles to be a contending team this year, it's still a big year for evaluation. Yeah. Now, if, if if everything hits the way they the, the way we think it could, it's going to be a really good year. But if it doesn't, if somebody takes a step back, if Gunner, if 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 they adjust to Gunner Henderson, if they adjust to Adley Rutschman, if Colton Kowser's not ready, this could be a long season. And well, if, if Kyle right. Gibson's the only pitching addition that you make, you're kind of in trouble. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, say you bring a guy like Lyles back, and I think that's very possible at this point, that they bring Lyles back, and he is another guy that can slot into that rotation. I think that's very possible. Uh, but, yeah, they, they do need another addition on the pitching side. I think we both agree on that. They still need that middle-of-the-order bat. They've talked about getting a veteran reliever, um, if, if that falls into their hands. They have needs, and I, I think there's significant regression you can expect from some guys uh, across the board. I mean, you look at Austin Voth, and Austin Voth did things last year that he had never done. And yeah, you can accredit that to the Orioles' pitching development. I mean, there's, there's a great part of that that had effect on him, but you also have to expect some regression for a guy like that. So the season, we talk about it all the time, the 83 wins last year was an anomaly. That's not, if you ran a simulation a thousand times, that probably wouldn't happen too often. So they do need to make additions and they mm-hmm. do need to supplement the talent they have. Yeah, and especially when, oh, and by the way, um, Paul Moncano just texted me back. He is going to come on. Oh, sweet. At, okay. at, at 11.05. Okay. So we'll do 10, 15 minutes with him sure. before we get into the rest of the show. So that's, thank you to Paul for doing that for us. Um, well, yeah, and, and see, but that, and that's, that's the thing. It is going to be a really bad look for Mike Elias mm-hmm. and for the Orioles as a whole if you win 83 games last year, and then you take a step back this year. And a step back is, there's a good chance of that. Because you look at how this team played to start the year and how this team played to end the year, and it wasn't good. You're talking from June 1st to September 1st, this team played really well. But from April, April 8th to May 30th, May 31st, and... September 1st to August 3rd or August 6th or whatever it was, this team did not play well. Right. They did not play well, and they've got to make up for that. The, one of the reasons is the offense really sputtered. And look, I, and I, I, I hate to say it because I like the guy, and I think he's a really good player, but Anthony Santander shouldn't be hitting third for this team. Yeah. And he did not like that I said that. He found that tweet <laughs> from me over the All-Star break and liked it and then went was a monster the second half of the year. But Anthony Santander is not a three-hitter. He's a five-hitter, right? On a good team, sure. he's a five-hitter. Maybe a, lower. May, maybe a six-hitter, yeah. right? Mountcastle, your, your three, four, five cannot be Santander, Mountcastle, Hayes. Yeah. Because what do these guys do? They free swing, they strike out, they don't get on base. Yeah. Right and Santander, even with his career high in walks by by he almost doubled his career high in walks from uh, th- this season. Is he his bat his on base percentage was still just three eighteen? Right. Well, well, and that's my main point on J D Martinez. That's why I've been so hot on him coming here to Baltimore yeah. is because he's consistent. He's not one of those guys who's going to go through. Yeah, he's had a great August, but his September he only hit what you know two hundred and his on base percentage was two eighty. He's not a guy that does that that often. So right. I think they need that consistency because you don't get it from Santander, and you definitely do not get it from Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle. You don't really get it from either. And look, I really like Anthony Santander. I I I have a. 
I'm kind of a, a fitness buff, right? So I, I have a lot of respect for him changing his his routine, changing his diet, getting himself in great shape, and getting himself to a position where he could be healthy for an entire season. And look, when he was healthy for an entire season, he hits 33 home runs as a switch hitter. You know, so it was a big year. And I think that there's a, there's definitely a place on this team for Anthony Santander. I'd love to see him DH and bat six. Yeah. I would love to see him DH and bat six. I have no issues with Anthony Santander, but when I think of a three-hitter or a four-hitter, I want a guy that can get on base at a 350 and higher clip that's going to hit 30 to 40 home runs and not strike out 180 times, including in big situations with guys on base. I don't want to see that. I want to see somebody that's selective. And so they need to add that bat. And so far, they haven't even been linked to a bat. And then you look at what happened. The, the, the one bat that they signed, look, they signed Franchi Cordero before our show last week. Uh, they did it like last Friday, I believe. They signed Franchi Cordero. They signed Lewin Diaz, to a minor, both guys to a minor league deal. Um, and they signed uh, the, uh, Nomar Mazzara to a minor league deal. Now, Nomar Mazzara is an intriguing player because he's yes. got light tower power. He's got three seasons of 20 home runs, another season with 19 home runs. He has a 100 RBI season under his belt. I think that he's a solid player. I think he's a role player. Yeah. He shouldn't be the bat that you signed. Well, and that, that's all three guys. Right. Diaz, Cordero. Mazzara is the best of the bunch by a good bit. Franchi yeah. Cordero uh, has had multiple opportunities, and he's a 221 career hitter. You know, I, I look at that and I say, all right, Franchi Cordero would have flown last year. This year, Nomar Mazzara, I think, is... I'm trying to be um, gentle when I say this. He <laughs> should be the worst player that you add, if that makes sense. He should be the guy that gets l- like like your like a version of Roof Neto Door this year, where he's going to be on your. He's probably going to be on the roster when you look at it, especially if they don't do anything from here to now. Could there's be. no way. There's no could be. He will be. Yeah. There's no way Nomar Mazzara doesn't break camp. Doesn't break um, Sarasota with the team if they sign nobody else, and even if they do. I still think he has a good shot to, to, to come north with, with the club. Yeah, and Amazar, real quick, if you look back at the years he was really successful in Texas, it's actually the years that Rugnet Adora was as well. So it's, it's a similar profile. They've looked for in a lot of guys these past few years with Cordero, with Diaz, and with Mazzara, and with Odor. It's the, the guys who maybe have had a little success in the past, um, maybe not so much for, for Cordero, but the other guys and ha- that have light tower power. That seems mm-hmm. to be a type for them. But the problem here is that when you look at Mazzara, same profile as Hayes, Mountcastle, and Santander. You look at his career numbers, his career batting average, 256. Mm-hmm. His career on base percentage, 317. Yeah. He's this, right. It's a fourth guy of the same ilk. That can't be the only move. Now, you have no idea who else they're talking to. Justin Turner is still out there. They said that there's at least a half dozen teams on them, but they only named a couple because all they ever talk about are the New York teams, the Dodgers, and the Cubs. Yeah. So you have no idea who who is in on Justin Turner. I'd like to think that the Orioles are. I was not okay with Justin Turner, and then when I actually took a deeper look at his numbers this past season, he's still a good ball player. He can The guy can yeah. still hit. It's just age that yeah. does it for me. Yeah, yeah He's old. Um. He's 38, right? I'm 38. Yeah. You know, am I, am I old? Yes, I am. Don't answer that question. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Justin Turner makes sense to me. J.D. Martinez makes sense to me. They have to go and do something. They can't... Co- <clears throat> Cody Bellinger made so much sense to me mm-hmm. because... Mike, what did Michael I say in these meetings? He said, 
the, the problem that we're facing here is we don't want to sign any of these guys to a big multi-year deal and then have them block some of our prospects to the point where now we have to trade these guys. And it's like, all right, well, Cody Bellinger, you're looking for a DH, a, left, a left-handed DH type? Check. Yeah. That can also play the outfield? Check. That can also play first base? Check. And you don't want to sign somebody to a long-term deal. One year, $17.5 million he got from the Cubs. Check. Why were you not in on Cody Bellinger? Well, they might have been. Um, we just don't. Uh, we're not privy to that information. I, I, I guess, can't. But. I can't imagine that if you were in on him, I don't know. Maybe, maybe playing in the in the NL Central is a lot. Yeah, I guess it, playing and the Chicago NL, Cubs. You know, I mean, yeah, they're, it, yeah. They're they're on the downswing at the moment, and I think they're going through not a rebuild but a retool never, is, is I, the word I'd use for it. But man, I mean, they're they're still the Chicago Cubs. They've been they've been retool. I mean. That's only had cachet for the last six years. I mean, before that, it was, oh, they're the Chicago Cubs. Now it's, oh, they're still the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, but, I mean, they've been retooling since they won the World Series. I guess Series, that's fair. Yeah. You know? Um, Josh Bell, two years, $33 million to the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah. Another checks every single box that you're looking for, but mm-hmm. he's also a switch hitter. So you're looking at that. That is so doable. That is so doable if you're the Baltimore Orioles. How does how do you not try and make a deal there? How do you not say okay they're giving you two years thirty three million we'll give you two years at thirty six million? You changed my mind a bit last week on Bell. To be honest with you, I, I hadn't really I didn't know the numbers with the Nationals were that incredible. I mean he he was like on base at he won clip. a Silver Slugger yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean he the Padres numbers were definitely a bit down, but the, uh, with those bad numbers he still won a Silver Slugger yeah, last r- year. Right. I mean that that definitely um, you know changed my view on him a little bit. But when you dig into it. You know, he is a first baseman, and there's, I guess, some negativity for me that comes with that, but he is a guy who's hit well, he's got on base well, and it was, I, you know, it's a good move for the Guardians at a good price. And frankly, it would have been, like you said last week, a good fit in Baltimore. And it really, you know, they missed out on that. And again, they, they could have made an offer. Maybe they offered him $34.5 Who knows? I, I really don't. Um, but, I, but I can't imagine they would have gone too much over two years for him. I think the deal he signed with the Guardians made a lot of sense. It makes, right, I... I didn't I didn't expect him to go four years? No, no, know, not Josh four, Bell. Four, four years, sixty million. Because first like basemen are never going to get that these days. If you're not a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, right. he's maybe the exception. Right. So I, I I look at that, and that to me to me Bell and and um, Bellinger, they missed the boat there. I really feel like they missed the boat there. Now, Brandon Nimmo, eight years, what was it, 162 65, mil- I think. Eight years, 165 yeah. million to go back to the Mets. Or 62, you're correct. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a good deal for Nimmo, a good deal for the Mets, I guess. Um, eight years for a guy who's only been healthy the last two years yeah. in his career. Big time on base guy. Great defender. Yeah. He's got a good bat. Not a ton of power, but enough. Mm-hmm. He's got a little bit of pop there. That's a good two-hitter yeah. on, on a good team. It's a good signing for the Mets. You just want a lot of these contracts, man. And we're going to talk about this in a little bit with Stan. A lot of these contracts that were given out at the winter meetings don't make sense. It, it, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy because I look at a 31-year-old in... in um, is, no, Trey Turner's 30, right? I believe he's 30. Yeah, I look at a 30-year-old in Trey Turner, and 11 years for Trey Turner, it makes sense because you look at the body type, you look at the athlete that he is, and he's going to be good for most of that contract. But I look at an 11-year deal for 30-year-old Xander Bogarts, and... <laughs> yeah, it, I, I have to question that one a little it, bit. You know, like... And, and I guess it's not fair because, because Xander Bogarts is athletic also. Yeah. You know what I mean? But... It, it, well, I, I, I guess because everything that Trey Turner does looks so graceful. He seems to glide. Mm-hmm. 
And I haven't seen the, like the gliding from Xander Bogarts. He's a really good hitter. Yeah. He's a really yeah. good hitter. Is he going to be a really good hitter? Eleven years from now, but you can honestly, it's, might not, be. it's not fair Without because you, you, you can you can make the same argument for both guys, honestly. But and I thought that Xander Bogarts was already thirty-one and going to turn thirty. He's not going to turn thirty-one until like July. Mm-hmm. Um, Eleven years with the Padres. Rumor was that the Padres were willing to offer Aaron Judge fourteen years, but Major League Baseball wasn't going to allow it because they've already surpassed the, the luxury tax threshold yeah. a, a couple of times. Um, he gets nine years, three hundred and sixty million dollars from the Yankees, and we're going to talk about that later in the show in our banter section in our banter segment. <sighs> Yay for the for the Yankees! I, well, so all these long term deals. They're given out because the teams have to give them out. It's the only way they're going to get them. I yeah. mean, they, they say, I'm, I'm sure the Giants said, you know, in the Aaron Judge situation here, hey, we'll give you, you know, seven years. But the Yankees said, nah, we'll give you nine. Or the Padres or whoever, all these offers, they increase the years, they increase the money. It's not a good deal, right? Like, that, yeah. that is, it doesn't make sense. He's going to be good for maybe five of the nine, six of the nine. Um, and Aaron Judge, maybe I'll even give him seven because he's such a talented hitter. But there will be a couple years in there that he is not good well, at the end at, of that contract. At some, at some point, I don't know that he's ever going to be not good. Uh, mm. I, I think that what we need to do there is we kind of need to temper that too. You get to 40, 40 years old is a very, very tough. Yeah. I mean, look, look at Albert Pujols, and, one of and, the best and, hitters and of this generation. I, I, I think of, oh, he was really good last year and then he retired. He was. Um, I, I think of Aaron Judge the way I think of a great Dane. <laughs> right? They're big. They're big. Powerful dogs, big powerful dogs, and they're they're super friendly, and everybody loves them. But their bodies wear down because they're too big. Well, that's exactly what I'm they're, saying. They're too yeah. big. Aaron Judge is six foot seven, two hundred and eighty freaking pounds, mm-hmm. and it's solid muscle. Okay, he's in remarkable shape. But that's a big dude. Those big dudes, those their careers are usually done by their mid thirties. Tony Clark didn't play till he was forty. Richie Sexton didn't play till he was forty. Giancarlo Stanton, he's a couple years older than Judge. You look at Giancarlo Stanton, the hitter that he is now, and look, <clears throat> he still hits line drives at 120 miles an hour that make your eyes pop. Yeah. But he hits 230. Well, I guess Nelson Cruz might be the exception here. You look but at no, him but Nelson Cruz is not six foot seven. No, he's not. You, you know Correct, what I mean? Yeah. The, 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 the amount of strain on your joints and your ligaments being that size, mm-hmm. it's... You're you're a freak, and it's it's yeah. all inspiring. But you're 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 too big, and right. I just can't imagine that your body's going to hold up for the length of that contract. When Aaron Judge is on the field, for the length of that contract, he's going to be feared, and he's going to be a good player. How often is he going to be on the field? How many years are you going to be paying him forty million dollars a year to play eighty games? That's the problem that you have there with that kind of a contract. Not that he's not going to be good anymore, but that his body's going to fail on him, and you've right. already seen it. He, he this was his first I believe this was his first full healthy season since his rookie year. Yeah. Now, first full healthy season, he goes out and he hits 62 home runs, but he hasn't had a year where he wasn't hurt other than his yeah. rookie year and this year. I mean, again, let's take Albert Pujols for, real quick here. And you look at the year he had last year and yeah, it was a good year, but is it worth $40 million a year? Say Aaron Judge put up those same numbers no. age 40. It's of course it's not worth 40 million a year. No. So they will have to eat money <clears throat> on this deal, but they did it because they but, had to. But but Albert Pujols, the player that he was this past season, mm-hmm. that's a player that has a spot on any team. I would agree with that. But that, the, year, that the two years prior, maybe no, not so much. No, but he he also, I think he had a lot of, I think he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's not the machine anymore. He was going through injuries that made him pretty immobile. 
And I think, honestly, when you saw Pujols' season turn around, it was right after the All-Star break. And what happened at the All-Star break? He did the home run derby, and yeah. he like his wife had, had brain tumor surgery, and then it comes out that they're getting divorced right after that. He probably thinks the world hates him. And then the outpouring of love and affection for him at the home run derby and at the All-Star game, and you think that dude didn't take a big sigh of relief and really kind of like shed some of that weight off his shoulders? Like... Oh, people still love me. Now I can just go out and be Albert Pujols again. Right. And that's what okay. he was. Yeah. A higher OPS with the Cardinals in his final season than any of his 10 years in in LA. It, it, remarkable. And it, it's a lot to do with what happens between the ears. Zach's going to get Stan the Fan Charles on the show. In the meantime, want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by... What is it brought to you by? Let's do... The FanDuel Sportsbook. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. The ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Joining us now. On the bat around for his weekly segment, the founding father of the bat around, he is Stan the Fan. Charles, Stan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. Great to talk to you. How are you doing? We're doing pretty well. Pretty well, all things considered, with what happened this past week at the winter meetings or what didn't happen. We'll get into that here in just a second, Stan. Uh, first, I want to get your reaction right after the show last week. Kyle Gibson signs with the Orioles. It's a one-year, $10 million deal. They essentially gave spent the same amount of money that they would have spent if they picked up Jordan Lyle's option. Uh, because they would have had to give him $11 million. Instead, they paid him the $1 million buyout and then gave $10 million to Kyle Gibson in your mind, Stan, why is Kyle Gibson the better fit for the Orioles than uh, Jordan Lyles? Um, I think his career record is a you know is a smidge better than um, than Jordan Lyles. Um, I think they feel that um, he can benefit from that Oriole defense uh, very well and defend himself pretty well at Camden Yards where he'll pitch half his games this year. You know, obviously, look, if they if they really loved him, they'd be offering him a two-year deal with an option for a third. You sure. know, that's, that's where they'd be if they loved him. Uh, they didn't even offer the same option for next year. So it, it's sort of a wait-and-see thing. It's an insurance policy. I think, to be honest, I think they feel, and I think it's fairly accurate, that they got sort of the max out of Jordan Lyles that they could. That's yeah. what I think. I don't think there's a, a bigger upside. I think the Kyle Gibson that we saw in Texas in 2021 before he was traded to a much smaller park in Philadelphia, I think the Orioles are hoping they can get that guy. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's what they're hoping for, too. And you mentioned that 19 starts with Texas in 2021. He was an all-star, 6-3 and three with that 2.87 ERA. And they also have one of the better defenses in baseball that year. He goes to Philly, a worse defense, smaller ballpark. ERA inflates. This is a guy staying with seven seasons of at least 10 wins, four seasons of just about 180 innings pitched or more. So you're kind of getting 
that innings eater that you had in Lyles, but hopefully a little bit better of a pitcher. It has a six-pitch mix, and I have to imagine that Chris Holt can do a lot of work with a pitcher like this. I think so. Um, I, I loved the guy when he was a prospect. I made a mm-hmm. big trade when, you know, in fantasy baseball, I traded for him. So part of his early season woes could probably be blamed for the fact that I had him. You know? yeah, yeah, you, you, you put yeah, the jinx you know, on I him. jinxed him. I, yeah. yeah, I put the jinx on him. I stand. Well, no, no Orioles this year on your fantasy team, okay? Um, yeah. uh, no Oriole pitchers, probably. Yeah, right. Um, well, so, Grayson's, already, Grayson's already taken. Yeah, so. I, I imagine that he would be. Now, you're speaking of yeah. Orioles pitchers, and Mike Elias has stated the need multiple times for a near top of the rotation arm. Claims that he has offers on the table for pitchers, um, and he said he doesn't want to trade Major League talent for Major League talent. We saw all these pitchers that we thought could be good fits with the Orioles sign elsewhere during the winter meetings. What do you make of the fact that so here's here's what I think, Stan. I think that, that that Mike Elias went into these winter meetings with a plan of action, and then the market kind of maybe surprised him, and he's and so now he's like, okay, now I have to reevaluate where we are. What do you think of that theory? Well, I think he he's done a fairly decent job at building up expectations and then sort of shooting them down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And along the path, he's redefined for us what uh, liftoff meant. Sure. Which I never really took. I think you took it a little more literally than I did. I think everybody uh, in did. Terms of, uh, I, I didn't. I mean, right. I was optimistic we'd do a little more than, than we've done to this point. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, a Josh Bell at two years at $13 million, yep. if that couldn't have been part of liftoff, I, you know, in other words, bettering... I get not wanting to trade Major League Town for Major League Town, but how about bettering your major league town and then perhaps being able to swing a deal or have had Josh Bell as a, um, uh, you know, your designated hitter first baseman, uh, and not gotten rid of anybody else. Uh, I just think that that was something that I don't think is, is out of their capabilities. Um, and I still expect them to do something else, uh, pitching wise, but the, you know, the market got, it got hot. And they weren't prepared to go to 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 the max. You know, I still think Bassett was a guy that they really liked, and I think Bassett is going to probably get four years. Yeah, and they'll probably get over. He could get over eighty million dollars before yeah. it's all said and done. With the way things are playing out, that's what it looks like. And I don't know that the Orioles are going to be willing to go there for for Bassett. Nah, and then they doesn't been, look like. It. And they've been linked to Carlos Rodon multiple times. There's no he's apparently he's looking for 7 years. There is no way in hell that Carlos Rodon is going to be we- wearing an Orioles uniform next year unless something nah, drastic I, happens where he doesn't get signed and has to sign late in in, in the offseason. Right, and that's not going to happen. Exactly. I mean, I think the Yankees will the Yankees will be willing to go to 7. The Dodgers they're they're not in a comfort zone, but you know they've still got that money hanging over uh, Trevor Bauer, mm-hmm. and uh, they're still waiting potentially to get him back for this year. Believe it or not, so yeah. uh, I don't know exactly what they'll do. And I think the Giants still have a ton of money. I, I doubt that they're comfortable with seven years, but they want to they want to get better and become more relevant. And they realize the cost of that's just gone up with the way San Diego plays ball. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how the Dodgers pivot now because the uh, the lineup there in um, San Diego is, is potentially really, uh, really, really good lineup. Yeah, they, they've they've got. Who knows? Really maybe they'll make up. Maybe they'll make a bid for Rodon. Yeah, you know, I, they're, they're crazy. Uh, Stan, the rumor was that they were willing to offer Aaron Judge fourteen years. But Major League yeah. Baseball put the Knicks on that because they were they've already exceeded the luxury uh, threshold right. multiple times. Right. Fourteen. I mean, to me, that just reeks of desperation. I I know that you that look you want to you, you're in a division with the Dodgers who aren't going anywhere and the Giants who are looking to get back to that hundred hundred plus win team they were a couple of seasons ago. But fourteen years for Aaron Judge, you were willing to do, and eleven years for Xander Bogarts. Right. It, it well, me they're, that that's they're, not experimenting. Crazy. they're they're experimenting with this uh, tax, you know, a way, you know, they're they're front loading these contracts or mm-hmm. something. That, you know, I I'm not sophisticated to the point of understanding, but they're clearly the years are stretched out so they don't get hit, you know, as hard every year. Sure. and that's what baseball was putting the Knicks on uh, with the 14 year contract, the Got way you. it would have been structured. Yeah. Gotcha. I'll now, tell you the biggest the biggest news to come out of the winter baseball meetings. I know you didn't have it on your list of topics. Was the right. fact that the commit that that the commissioner came out and said at a press meeting that as long as I have this job, I think you can count on the fact that the Orioles are going to be in Baltimore. Number one and number two. I've talked to both John and Mrs. Georgia Angelos at length in person about this topic, I'm comfortable with the position that they've taken. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to mention the litigation. And I think the fact that he said number two, I've taught, uh, no, I, actually it's absolutely, I've, I've, I shortened uh, the quote. It's absolutely clear under that under baseball's rules, John Angelos is the control person and he has the vote for the club. So I'm sorry there's litigation involved. It tracks all kinds of negative attention to the game. Having said that, I'm really comfortable with the way the club is being run and our relationship with the club right. and Major League Baseball's relationship with the club. Uh, I know there are rumors floating around about potential sales. Uh, I haven't heard the specifics of anything. It wouldn't shock me, you know, if, yeah. if the club is is transferred during this offseason, during the season – or certainly by the time 2024 rolls around. Well, and we know that they hired Goldman Sachs during the year to um, assist yeah. with the sale of the team, and that's that's no small potatoes there. I think that that's a, a, a pretty significant deal that points towards the sale of the team, obviously. Um, there, Some of these rumors that I heard, Stan, that, that what came along with the rumors was that the new ownership group, if there is one, would be willing to add payroll, but not this offseason. And you and I were talking a little bit about this last night, and you don't understand that, and neither do I for that matter. Why would a team not want to add payroll just because they're selling the ball club well to me anybody that's buying a ball club has has got to sort of understand the context with which the club is being run certainly if somebody bought the team six months after john installed mike elias and this person that was buying the team in 2019 hypothetically would have you know, talked to Elias and all that, I'm sure, before the sale. And if he was comfortable 
with the direction and why it needed to be done, you know, rebuild, then certainly I wouldn't expect that guy to come in and just start patching with, with free agents right away, you know, expensive right. free agents, because that just rebuilds, that rebuilds the same way you fell apart. Uh, but given where the Orioles are on the rebuild right now, I think coming in and not spending money because you you want to you want to have a depressed payroll when you first take it over um, would be sheer folly, you know. And I look at right now all the way the Angels are being run. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Artie Moreno, mm-hmm. but Artie and and Manasian, the GM there, they're moving forward, and and that sale is supposedly could take place before opening day. But clearly, the potential owner he's dealing with is, hasn't put a kibosh on spending because sure. they're still spending. You know, yeah. uh, so I think it. Yeah, I think it's the context with which the club is in at the moment of a sale that should dictate that. I don't think automatically this guy would would put the brakes on uh, Michael Elias. I think what's put the brakes on uh, Michael Elias is is still the club's. And, and you notice every time Elias is quoted, he talks about building the club back up along with attendance. Everything mm. now is pivoted on attendance. Mm. And I just, I still think the coffers, no matter what these new revenue streams might be that we are convinced are lucrative, that that attendance factor is going to play into when the club can really spend some money. Sure, and and look, you you saw a lot of weekend series, and a lot of it had to do with promotional giveaways, but also with the with the play of the team during the midsummer months. Um, attendance was spiking um, on on some of those weekends, and I think that if you're coming to into the 2023 season with a team that's coming off a winning season, has young stars like Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, and maybe if you've added another marquee player or two, that's going to spike attendance. And to me, Stan, if you want to spike attendance, that's all the more reason to spend money on a new player. I, I, right. I, I That would just well, make sense Well, I think there's me. plenty. I, I would say that there's plenty of players out there that sure. can still help the Orioles. Uh, and I think that they, they will up the payroll uh, a little bit, but you know, maybe, uh, you know, it doesn't even look like they're looking at a, like a Brandon Drury looks like a, an interesting guy for the Orioles on a two year, say $18 million contract or something like that. 15, $16 mm-hmm. million. I don't know. Uh, but I think they'll get another starting pitcher. I think they'll, they'll add something to the bullpen because that's not a hugely expensive fix, right. uh, or, or expenditure. I still think he'll do a couple things, but I think they want to see that attendance. They they need this season to be a good season. They can't be this year's Detroit Tigers, absolutely. Where you know not. so much was expected, and they take two steps back. They need to take another step forward, get that attendance like over two million, close to two million or over two million. You know, remember uh, they got hit with a triple whammy. They had the Freddie Gray riots in downtown Baltimore. They had the club moving into a rebuild, uh, Peter getting sick, and the pandemic. So they had three things hit this franchise at once. That's why the attendance was 700,000 in 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, And now, now they nearly doubled that last year, but we're still at 1.3. If, they get, if a new owner came in and saw that 
hey, we've taken this from 780,000 to 1.3 to 1.85, and the team was even a little more competitive next year, then he's got every reason to believe he can get that up to 2.3, 2.4. That's when you can really be comfortable spending some money, uh, you know, uh, you know, raising raising the ante, so to speak. Stan, when we're talking about attendance and a possible ownership change, we heard comments, and I can't remember if it was from the Angelos brothers or Michael Elias at this point, but someone mentioned at some point soon there would be Camden Yards upgrades. Do you see those happening after an ownership change or when the Orioles start to produce more attendance numbers? Um, well, first of all, you know, the legislature has approved that yeah. deal that yes. both the Ravens yep. and the Orioles can get up to $600 million um, each, each. Uh, yeah, each. But they have along with along with that money, and it might even be more than six hundred million each. But each increment of taking money, they've got to sign some something of an extension. Right. So yep. the the um, John Angelos has said many times he's got every intention of signing that. The fact that the uh, commissioner has come out and said, hey. As long as I'm, I've got this job, and we would think that help if he's healthy, Manfred will probably be the commissioner of baseball for the next eight, ten, twelve years. Okay, sure. That that means he he believes in Baltimore, and all of his partners believe in Baltimore, and that the ballpark is something you're just not going to walk away from. Absolutely know? not. Um, and you would think that, and, and I think I think given that statement also is an understanding that the Orioles have also, in addition to the three things I just mentioned, they've gotten kind of shafted on the long-term effects of allowing a team into their marketplace. Yep. You know? Yep, they absolutely have. And yep. and, and yeah. that, that, that mass and dispute hasn't, is, isn't going away anytime soon. And uh, I think that that might be reason 1A, why they, the Orioles haven't had an All-Star game in 30 years. But that's a, that's a yeah, topic uh, for uh, another day. <clears throat> Yeah, that is a topic for another day. I think we'll get one in the next three to five years. They're in the running, for I believe, for the 2026 um, All-Star yeah. Game, or, or, if I'm not mistaken. so Or 2025, one of those two years. So hopefully they'll right. get one sooner rather than later. And they did get, it was $1.2 billion to split between the Orioles and the Ravens. And that's going to be for stadium renovations. But I also believe it's going to have something like a Wrigleyville type of situation in between the two stadiums. They've already put Top Golf in before all this happened. I think it's going to be a real big um, boom for that part of the city. So that's something we can. I, I don't think that's. I don't think that's part of the 1.2 billion. I think the 1.2 billion is stadium specific updates and things like that, like improving Wi-Fi. Um, you know, things things Sound of, system, that, stuff that, like are, that. Yeah, things things of that nature. The economic development. That I think the Orioles, the Stadium Authority, um, and and the Ravens are envisioning is something that's a long-term economic development uh, idea. Okay. That's that's long overdue, to be honest with you. Yeah, and we'll we'll have to look further into that because when when the bill got passed, I was producing for Glenn, and we talked about stuff like Wrigleyville in between the two stadiums. But I don't know how mm-hmm. that works exactly, so we'll have to look further yeah. into that. I do want to yeah. ask you, Stan, about Nomar Mazzara. Um, this is probably the most intriguing of the minor league deals that the Orioles signed a player uh, to. Um, agree. This is a guy who has a ton of power. He's a two fifty six career hitter. He has three twenty homer seasons and another nineteen homer season under his belt. Uh, twenty. 
2017, 20 home runs, 30 doubles, 101 RBI. Um, like I said, big-time power. He kind of profiles in the same way that Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, and Ryan Mountcastle do, in that he can hit the long ball, um, and he can hit about 250, 260, but he's not going to get on base at a high clip. I feel like this is a guy, Stan, who has an inside track to be on this roster uh, on opening day. What are your thoughts on that? I would probably uh, agree with that, pending anything else that we know they're going to do. I mean, I think he's a he's. I like Jake Cave a little bit better mm-hmm. than him overall because I like the on base. You know, and again, Jake Cave isn't a three eighty on base guy, but he's a three twenty something, three twenty five. Well, He's with the Phillies guy now. When he's, I understand that. I'm okay, saying okay. that Mazzara's a replacement for him. Gotcha. That's what I was alluding to. Oh, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Uh, I think Cordero's an, an interesting player uh, because he's got such a unique skill set of that tremendous power and tremendous speed. But he he's not a defender, and I don't know if he can you know really ever produce. He's worth a, a little taste. But I'm telling you, the obsession with left-handed guys that are questionable when you could go out and get Justin Turner and know you got a guy that's gonna gonna have an on-base percentage above 350, possibly bordering on 375, just makes no sense to me. Just because he's, you know, and again, this is a guy who I, I and I was 100 percent right about one thing: if they had really gone after Justin Turner aggressively and offered him a, a one year with a really realistic option for a second year, they could have snagged him and, uh, and had a really nice ball player. That fits. I, he, he's still out there, isn't he? I know, but I'm reading that the Diamondbacks and the um, uh, there's another club. There's two teams that are interested in him. Most likely um, the Dodgers, correct? Well, the Dodgers are a third team. I mean, oh, okay, they're, okay, they're, they're lurking. There was another team Did that I see wasn't Tampa the Giants. Bay? Did I see Tampa Bay was in? No, I didn't see Tampa. I didn't see Tampa Bay either. It was some other team, and I think it was a National League club. Maybe I can find it while we're talking. Was it Washington? I, it might have been Washington. No, it wasn't Washington. No, okay, well, Washington. we'll find it. We'll MLB <laughs> trade. This, I'm rumors. seeing Marlins were in on him. Mm. Mar- it might have been the Marlins. Okay, yeah. Right. That's that. that by the way, I just I just opened up. Um, uh, MLB trade rumors, and they got a the lead story is Cubs have interest in Trey Mancini. Okay, yeah. well, I'm glad somebody yeah. does. Cause... I mean, I'd have <laughs> I'd have interest yeah. in Trey Mancini before before ceding uh, any meaningful playing time to a Cordero or you know. Stan, I wouldn't I... rule that out. I wouldn't rule that out the way the off season is progressing. He will probably sign somewhere else, but if it gets to be late January. And he hasn't signed somewhere. Wouldn't be impossible. Stan, but, I, I ran into old friend Nelson Cruz at the winter meetings. Uh-huh, um, yeah, uh-huh. and he's someone who you know he had a down year last year with the Nationals. He did only play 124 yeah. games, but he had a, a pretty good year the year before. Um, and he's a guy who still brings a lot of power, a lot of uh, veteran experience to the lineup. What do you think about a potential fit with the Orioles? Um, I, I would have no problem. I would have no problem with him uh, at all. And by the way, Zach, it is the Marlins. Okay, it is cool. the Marlins. It's the Marlins and the D-backs of Shinsumit. Yeah, uh, to, to me, Justin Turner would make sense at this point. I still think J.D. Martinez makes a ton of sense for this ball club at this point. 
Um, I, um, I, I, I've, I've watched him very carefully because I had him a couple of years ago in fantasy, and I kind of pivoted from him pretty. He was having a really good year, and then uh, he went through about a 15 game stretch where I just said, "Man, this guy really can't touch any." You know. And uh, I got rid of him, and I'm not sorry I got rid of him. It's not like he um, – I, I don't see him as a fit in this ballpark. I really don't. Oh, when you think about the ball being pushed back, but I do know that he goes to center and to right a lot, or at least mm-hmm. he used to. So to me, that's a guy who profiles right. well for, for Camden Yards. Okay. And is a threat in the middle of your order. If just To me, if Justin Turner is a threat in the middle of your order, I think so is J.D. Martinez. But – they haven't been linked to anybody yet, so we'll we'll, yeah, nope. we'll see what nope, happens. Not, Drury, not not Drury, not just JD Martinez, not Mancini, and uh, certainly not uh, Justin Turner. So Cer- certainly, no, haven't been linked yet. Now, Stan, before we let you go, I do want to get your take on man. There are some ridiculous contracts that were handed out. the The Yankees give Judge nine years of three hundred sixty million. We talked about Bogarts to the Padres for eleven years. Verlander. Let's start with Verlander. He gets two years, eighty-six million. I get it. He's the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the American League. He gets the the two years, eighty-six million from the Mets. They did the same thing with uh, Max Scherzer last year. And while Scherzer posted the lowest ERA of his career, he came up with a dead arm at the end of the year. He got knocked around in the playoffs. Do you think they're making the same mistake twice and doing this with Verlander as well, and at that number? Well. You know, it's it's interesting that you brought up the playoffs because you know that's a that's a whole different season for these guys. Mm-hmm. I still think some of the problems some people had during the playoffs was because of the ramp up from twenty twenty you know twenty twenty to twenty one to twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, now Verlander wasn't affected because he didn't pitch in twenty twenty really, sure. right? That's when he had his. Uh, he didn't pitch in twenty twenty one. This yeah. was his first year back. Right. Um, I, I, I wonder about that, but you know what? Steve Cohn is so rich. They don't have to worry about that at all. I mean, even after all this stuff they've done, signing Dave Robertson yesterday for 10 million, getting Nimmo, getting Verlander, who else did they add? They added somebody else. Um, I forget who it was. Uh, Jose Quintana. Quintana, yeah. they're still supposedly the leader right now for Kodai Senga. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, this guy just has so much money, and he's willing, you know. Uh, I would hope the Orioles get somebody in that vein that owns this team uh, to a certain extent, you know. Yeah. Now, um, Aaron Judge was my big pipe dream from about June on. I knew it wasn't going to happen, but it made a lot of Your sense pipe to dream me. For, what that he hit sixty two home runs? No, he was my bit. He was he was my pipe dream. That he I was your what, pipe dream that was coming to Baltimore. It, well, that's why they call it a pipe dream, Stan. I, I knew it wasn't okay, happening. Okay, but okay, I knew it okay. wasn't happening. But I was still I still would have loved it. Not at nine years, three hundred and sixty million. This is a guy who's already had a ton right. of injuries in his career. His body type isn't the kind that lasts into your forties playing at a professional level. And I get it. The Yankees had to bring him back because if you look at their lineup without him. They're not a good ball club offensively. Nine years, Correct. $360 million for Aaron Judge. At what point are they going to be kicking themselves over that? Well, you know, uh, the owner is a firm believer in the job that Brian Cashman's done. I think Cashman 
miscalculated greatly on that, and that's why they had to pay about $150 million more for Aaron Judge. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you hit the nail on the head. The reason that he got that offer of, what, seven for 215 was that he's a very injury-prone player. Mm -hmm. He just happened to put it all together in his his walk year, and uh, the club, as you said, they didn't win a world. Had they won a World Series, um, you could say, well, if they won a World Series, there's no way they would have let him go. But they would have had more leverage. The leverage in that relationship changed. And Brian Cashman, to me, overplayed his hand. I think he probably could have had him in the more like the range of 270, something like that, 275, and uh, had they offered him a, a better deal last spring. I think he found, I think he found in comparison to Mookie Betts money and all the other guys that were getting those contracts that he felt I'm being disrespected. And he just quietly, um, you know, went about his business and had the best year of his career. And, Oh, incidentally stayed healthy enough to have that. So, um, nine years is ridiculous to to think that he's going to be a productive player. At forty years of age, and this is but, what this is what I know. said to Zach about it is that I think that when he's on the field, he'll still still be a productive player. My issue is that I don't think he's going to be on the field enough to justify the contract, the second half of it. I think that when he's on there, yeah, but again, good, but forty but million he, for eighty games at the end of the contract. But again, they had to go there to yeah. get him because the Giants were offering that, and they they're lucky that the Padres didn't act a little bit more aggressively sooner. I don't think they ever got their offer out of their mouths mm-hmm. uh, by the time he was ready to um, to make his deal. But uh, they 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 understand how to use that tax thing. The, the fact that that's nine years, MLB is going to let that go uh, where they wouldn't let a 14-year deal go. But I'm sure they've maneuvered the tax thing that they won't get hit. Now, actually, I think I read that they are going to get. Uh, I mean, he's going to be forty million a year. I think each year, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I okay. I, I haven't okay. seen anything about a tax break or anything yeah. like that. So I, I think yeah. that it's yeah, that's the the value. Yeah, but, and then yeah. real quick, the 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 Giants they missed out on on Judge. They missed out on Turner. They missed out on Bogarts. It looks like they're in on Correa. But when you look at this Giants team, the only significant player that they've brought back so far is Jock Peterson. It looks like they're going to lose Rodon. What are the Giants going to do to get back into contention? Because they went from 107 wins to about a 500 to a 500 ball club and took a winning streak at the end of the year to get there. What are the Giants going to do for? Well, here? I think I think they'll sign Correa. You left out uh, Hanniger. They've added Hanniger. Oh, he's that's nice right. I, I, yeah, he, he's he, a, he's a good ball player. Yeah, he's a much better player if he can stay healthy. Yes, you know, and uh, I like him on that club. I think they'll sign Correa, and it wouldn't shock me if they signed Senga, who I think the Mets have a real good chance to get him, but I think they're in on him. I also think that uh, Chris Bassett could be a real good fit for the Giants. So um, we'll see. They're also trying to make a deal for uh, Sean Murphy. Uh, They're in on him a little bit. I hear the athletics are asking for the moon. I hear they're asking for the moon for for Sean Murphy. Stan, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, don't have a show planned for Monday yet. Ross and I are kicking around a couple ideas. I'm trying to get a hold of my buddy, Rich Dubroff, uh, to kind of recap the winter meetings and see what he 
thinks. Uh, and Thursday night, uh, Gary Stein and I will have one of our friends, uh, Marty Conway and Andy Dolich, sports marketing gurus, uh, to, to talk about the, the business of sports. All right. Sounds good, Stan. We will talk to you next weekend. Enjoy your week. All right. All right. Okay. Take, Take care. care, guys. Bye. See ya. And that was Stan the Fan Charles, who has two great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This week, Stan and Ross were joined by Press Box's Luke Jackson for a winter meetings roundtable. While Stan and Gary chatted with local recruiting expert Tom Strickler about the job Kevin Willard has done the phenomenal job Kevin Willard has done. Find these shows under the videos tab of facebook.com slash pressboxsports or pressboxonline.com slash video. While no show is scheduled as of yet, Stan and Ross are going to try to be back on Monday as they're going to try and get Rich Dubroff to recap the winter meetings. And again, as Stan just alluded to, on Thursday, he and Gary Stein will be try- will be talking with Marty Conway and Andy Dolich about the business of sports. I uh, just want to remind you today's show is brought to you by the Toyota the Toyota Tacoma which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Just check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. When we come back in from the Masson All Access podcast, Paul Moncano will join us and Maybe do a little bit of trash talking about our upcoming um, duel on a podcast beginning on Monday. That and more next on The Battle Round. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com glorydaysgrill.com Great food, good sports. What's up, everyone? This is Tyus Bowser, and I'm excited to tell you that I'm back for season two of the Tyus Bowser Show in partnership with Pressbox and Great Ace Memorabilia. Join us on Tuesday nights throughout the season as I'll be heading all over town with my special guests. And of course, our co hosts, Glenn and Rita. Where's Rita and Glenn? What is it? I look forward to meeting you guys and talking a little bit about football and a lot about life. And if you happen to miss the show, you can now catch a replay Friday nights on 1057 The Fan. Get all of your details for the Tyus Bowser Show right now at Pressbox online.com slash bowser the next highest bowser show is tuesday december 13th at the hamilton sports bar and grill 5506 harford road it's brought to you by maryland vascular specialists and the all-new ginsu kamado grill that first sip that first bite Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. 
Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at ginsugrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today stand the fan here welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors the costas inn and everybody around baltimore knows the costas inn is a great place to go and grab crabs steaks salads soups whatever's on your mind to eat in person but did you know that the costas inn has upped their game they are now one of the premier takeout places in baltimore give them a call now to order your food 410-477-1975 that's the costas inn over 4100 north point Boulevard. All right, welcome back to the Batter Round. The Batter Round is brought to you by Pressbox's new online gambling offers. Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers now and get offers like $200 in free bets from DraftKings after placing your first $5 bet or $1,000 in risk free bets from BetMGM. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up today. Joining us now on the Bat Around, he is one of the co-hosts of the Mass and All Access podcast. He was on the show not that long ago, and he's gracious enough to join us on short notice today. He is Paul Moncano. Paul, it's Paul. It's Zach. Good morning. How are you today? Hey, Paul, we have a low connection. I think we got you now. Are Are you there? Oh, okay. Yep, we, yeah, we, we got you. Yes, yes, I can. Uh, thank you uh, for joining oh. the show today, Paul. Um, Zach says that he ran into you out at the winter meetings. Do you have any idea that you ran into <laughs> Zach out in San Diego? You know, uh, I don't know if I could put a face to Zach's name. So I don't know if uh, I, I saw a ton of faces. I saw was introduced to a ton of people. Uh, did you introduce yourself to me, Zach? No, I didn't, Paul. I, I, I gave you a fist bump, and I said, hey, Paul. But you had no idea who I was, and I totally I totally understand that because there's so many people there. I met probably I a thousand people. You. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because somebody I remember saying somebody came up to me and said, Paul Mancano, how you doing? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, that was me. You know, I gave you the fist bump. Because it was, thought it would be somebody I would, should know. Yeah, yeah, that was me. <laughs> We're in San Diego. How do you know me? <laughs> Um, yeah, so Zach, Zach was telling me that story. And I'm like, that had to have been like so weird for him because he doesn't know you. And he's like it, it completely on the other side of the country. Mm. So yep. very cool. So, yeah. so Paul, what was your experience like out at the winter meetings? What were some of the, the highlights for you? Um, were you surprised at the Orioles' activity or lack thereof? Tell us about your winter meetings experience. 
yeah, I, I personally, I love the winter meetings. It's baseball nerd heaven. It's like all of the baseball world kind of congregating in one place. You get to, like I said, put faces to names for the mm-hmm. first time in a lot of, uh, in a lot of cases, a lot of people that uh, you've seen on Twitter or met virtually, but haven't had a chance to talk to in person. So I love that aspect of it. And then I just love the access that you get to GMs, to baseball ops people, uh, to managers. It's really nice to be able to do it out of this, the setting of a baseball field um, because you get to actually kind of know, get to know these people uh, for who they are, you know, aside from what they do on the baseball field or in the baseball ops department. So personally, I love that kind of stuff. And then just being around when all of that stuff broke, you know, it was a crazy winter meetings, especially with massive 10 to 11 year contracts and to see people's reactions, people who covered the, the teams that signed a lot of those players and the national media. Um, I just love being around that kind of stuff. So it was, it was very fun. Yeah. I, I went to the winter meetings at the Gaylord, um, back in 2016 but I went there for the job fair my experience was was not a great one because my resume wasn't in 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 tow but it was um that's a, a, a story for another day but Zach told me he had a great time out there he said the, the buzz around there was was intoxicating and just a really great time out there so it sounds like you had a similar experience um, I'm wondering if you had a similar experience to the fans here in Baltimore when the Orioles really basically came away from the winter meetings with nothing now last Saturday they signed Kyle Gibson they signed Nomar Mazzara to a minor league contract and I'm sure he's going to have an inside track to make the roster were you surprised at the fact that the Orioles Michael Elias used the term liftoff um, and we've said that ad nauseum but now he's kind of taking a step back from that and they weren't really big time spenders at all at the winter meetings yeah, I think Mike Elias, if he could do it again, probably wouldn't have used the term liftoff. Right. I don't think that he was expecting that phrase to lift off as much, pun intended, as <laughs> it did. And he, he kind of clarified on the first day of the winter meetings because he was asked directly about that phrase and said what he meant was the next several years of baseball in Baltimore are going to be excellent. And mm-hmm. the team itself is, is taking off in a way um, that will – that has an upward trajectory. So when he said liftoff, he didn't mean it as much in terms of free agents, in terms of uh, massive jumps in the payroll or anything like that. I think he simply meant this team right now is good and it's only going to get better from here. Uh, So to be honest, I'm not somebody who thinks that moves have to be made at winter meetings simply because there's kind of an arbitrary deadline and everybody's in the same hotel together. And Michael Elias, is somebody who doesn't like to make decisions until he has to. We see him wait until the last minute to make decisions on player options and roster moves when he can, because it makes sense to the longer time you have to make a decision, odds are the best, you're going to make a better decision. Uh, So I I don't think that something had to have been done there. He said a lot was accomplished in terms of talking to free agents, in terms of uh, continuing to further staff his department so I think that there are still several top free agents out there. There are st- several middle-tier guys that are still out there. And, yes, some names came off the board at winter meetings, but um, what the Orioles want to avoid, I think, is being in a situation where you feel the pressure of having to make a deal because everybody's in the same place and the baseball world is watching winter meetings, so you want to make a splash and just sit down, relax, 
come back to Baltimore and make a smart decision where there's a pressure-free environment and you can get the guy at a price that maybe isn't escalated by the fact that all these teams are bidding in the same place. Yeah, and uh, I do want to talk a little bit because one of the guys that got signed um, was your winner of your uh, yours and Brandon's um, Masson All Access free agent bracket, and that was Jamison Tyon. And he got four yeah. years, uh, I believe it was from the Chicago Cubs that, that he signed with. Yeah. And that was the guy that you both had, had picked as the guy that was most likely to sign with the Orioles. They were linked to him. Nothing ever got done. They've been linked to Rodon, which I think is just such a pipe dream at this point. They've been linked to Chris Bassett. What is a name out there that you think now could be likely now that your your main guy that you picked is off the board? Is there somebody similar that you think the Orioles could end up with? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and say we blundered that one. I really thought Jamison Tyone was going to be the guy to, to go to Baltimore. Felt like a good fit as a, you know, number two, number three starter. He probably would have started on opening day for the mm-hmm. Orioles in 2023, but once Grayson Rodriguez is, is going to turn into the pitcher that we hope he's going to turn into, you know, he could have been somebody who was in your rotation for several years. Other than Jamison Tyone, who's now off the board, uh, we saw Taiwan Walker sign a deal that was probably a little bit too pricey for, um, yeah. you know, what I thought he was worth. But other guys that are still out there, I, I still really like Sean Manaya as a fit for the Orioles, okay. especially because he's a lefty. And I think that he could be a bounce-back candidate. I know he had an ERA close to five last year, but he can pitch out of the bullpen. He can pitch uh, in a starting role. And I think that he's better than his ERA showed last year. And we saw it earlier in Manaya's career when he was with the Oakland A's. So I think Manaya is a good option out there. Nathan Avaldi, if the Orioles really want to, you know, bump up the payroll, he received a qualifying offer, so there's draft pick compensation attached to Avaldi. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that they would w- be willing to do that. And so did Chris Bassett, who I think is is again near the top of the second tier. The only guy left in the top tier that you mentioned is Carlos Rodon. I really don't think the Orioles are going to be in on Rodon at this point, uh, but. Bassett, I think if the Orioles want to spend a little bit more money. And then if you keep going down the list, I mean, there are some interesting names. I think Ross Stripling is one more guy uh, that I'd be interested in because he can go back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen. And then last but not least, Noah Syndergaard, who I think got a little bit too much money last year, $21 from the Angels, and that would concern me a little bit because I would worry about handing somebody like that, you know, 15 mil if that's what's it's going to cost, but I think the Orioles are looking right now for guys still on one or two year deals, maybe three. I don't think that they're going to go four years for anybody left, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and that brings me to um, the offensive side of things because we know they need a middle of the order bat. We haven't heard them linked to anybody at this point, but we saw Cody Bellinger. That they they want a first baseman, they want an outfielder, they want a DH. The bat's left handed. He checks all those boxes, and they want somebody that they don't have to sign long term. One year, seventeen point five million from the Cubs. I don't even th- I don't know that they talked to him. If they did, we weren't letting we weren't told about it. And then Josh Bell also checks the boxes, and he. Got two years, $33 million from the Guardians. It's a little surprising to me that we didn't hear the Orioles linked to both of those players because they make a ton of sense, in my opinion. I thought Bellinger, as a pure player, did make a lot of sense mm-hmm. for the Orioles. He's kind of exactly what you would look for if you're trying to add a bat to this lineup. Like you said, he plays good defense in the outfield. He can play first base, and he hits home runs from the left side of the plate. But I think that so many teams were looking at him 
that his price just got inflated. And mm-hmm. frankly, I didn't think he was going to get seventeen and a half Neither million. Did I. I mean, he was, yeah, he was uh, projected to make about eighteen million, I think, in arbitration. And the Dodgers, who are not afraid of spending money, walked away. So, right. I to me, that told me he was going to get a lot less than that. But I was wrong. So he ended up getting a huge payday. And frankly, I don't think he's right now, and he could have a great year. I don't think he's a seven point. $17.5 million player right. uh, for what he's going to give you. But, you know, Josh Bell, I thought was interesting. His defense at first would have made him a little bit too difficult to stick there behind uh, Ryan Mountcastle, though I know that he's gotten better defensively. I do think there are some bats still out there that would make sense for the Orioles. Uh, Michael Brantley, I think, if the Orioles believe that he can play first base, he hasn't really done it too much in his career, but he can play in the corner outfield, hits from the left side of the plate, he has the Astros connection, but it was after Michael Elias left Houston. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, uh, not a real Astros connection, but I like Brantley. And then if you want to go further down the list, I mean, you know, if Ben Intendi's still out there, I think, um, you know, Joey Gallo, who is interesting. I know, again, Orioles fans saw him fail in New York, but maybe he can succeed in a lower pressure environment like Baltimore and you can get him kind of cheap. And it's clear that the Orioles have a type, and it is a quarter outfield, maybe first baseman who can hit from the left side of the plate with some power. They've added, like you said, Franchi Cordero and Lewin Diaz and Omar Mazzara. Maybe they have room for another big league signing, and I think Mike Elias would be smart to add another proven big league bat to this lineup. Yeah, I, I feel like they need something to elongate the lineup because as much as I love the guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Anthony Santander, I'd like to see a guy in the middle of the order that's a little bit more selective, especially with guys on base that can get on base at higher than a 318 clip. I mean, those numbers just don't cut it if you're going to hit 3-4 in the Orioles lineup. So I'm interested to see what happens. Stan the fan um, who used to host this show and he comes on every week, he is really, really stuck on Justin Turner. He really thinks Justin Turner would be a good fit. I think J.D. Martinez is a good fit because he profiles left as a lefty type because he goes opposite field so much. What are your thoughts on players like Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez? Yeah, both kind of aging stars. And mm-hmm. I think, like you said, Martinez, the, the hesitation I would have is that he heads from the right side of the plate, but he does go to all fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, if the Orioles want to go with a more pure DH, that's, that's another concern I would have with J.D. Martinez is can he play backup first base? Can he be used as a pinch, um, you know, fourth, fifth outfielder? If you're not confident in him defensively, then sticking him at pure DH kind of may limit you a little bit. That's but a great look, point. he's a, definitely a proven bat. Um, I have no idea if he's going to go back to the Red Sox or where he could end up. Uh, the buzz on him has kind of been quiet. I think both those guys for what they've accomplished in their careers, Justin Turner with the Dodgers, of course, have the buzz has kind of been quiet on those guys. I know they're up there in age. I think J.D. Martinez is 35. I think Justin yeah. Turner's around the same age. Turner's 38. Um, Turner, I don't know if he... Yeah, so I don't I don't even know if Turner can still play third base at a at a above average level, but the, the Orioles wouldn't need him to right. because they already have Gunnar Henderson. They have gold glove winner Ramon Rios at third base. So maybe they look into Justin Turner uh, as a potential, you know, DH type and ask him to play a little first base. I can see that if 
if the fit is right. Now, you know, if that is if Michael Elias decides, we don't care if these guys hit from the left side of the plate. They're just good enough hitters at this point. And both those guys throughout their careers have proven to be very good hitters. Yeah, oh, absolutely they have. And uh, while I think that they would love to add a left-handed bat, and a lot of their top prospects are left-handed bats, I think that if it's a guy that they can get at, at, at their price, it won't matter where they – if they can hit, they can hit. It won't matter if it's from the right or yeah. the left side. So um, you mentioned about the winter meetings. They don't have to be – you don't have to make a move just because it's the winter meetings. And the Orioles absolutely proved that. What we're used to here, though, Paul, is a Dan, du- a Dan Duquette era type of thing where we expect action at the winter meetings, nothing happens, and then you get to the end of February, beginning of March, and that's when uh, he picks the best of what's left. Do you see that scenario playing out here in Baltimore? Because it, it feels like deja vu all over again. I do think that Michael Elias, the last couple off seasons, has been very active right near the end of spring training, like you said. I remember two years ago, he him picking up Michael Franco on a deal worth a little bit less than a million dollars. Also picking up, um, uh, they picked up Matt Harvey in that minor league deal. I believe it was like right before spring training. It was yeah. the very start of spring training. Pedro Severino. Um, Tommy Malone. Yeah, Pedro Severino. Those kind of moves where guys can't fit with the teams that they have signed with or the teams that they um, you know, were with at the start of spring training. Mm-hmm. I could see, you know, Michael Elias going back to that again. I think that that's a, an area where guys, because they don't make the team or because they don't really have a role with their team, they end up back on the street and then, you know, Elias is there to swoop in. So I I think that they could do that as well. And this team still has to work around the edges. That's Mm. the only way that you're going to be competitive in the AL East uh, with, you know, the Yankees, with the Red Sox, although who knows what the heck is happening in Boston right now with the Blue Jays, with the Rays, you have to be able to work around the edges in addition to signing players. And so Michael Ice is still going to put as much attention, I think, into working the fringes of the roster uh, in addition to trying to make a bigger move. And I, but I do think if they try to sign somebody for one or two years for a pretty large free agent contract, it's probably going to have to happen at some point before February, I would think, because guys like to know where they're going come spring training if they're going to be signing a big you know, free agent deal. So right. I do think Michael Elias will still be active at the end of February and in March, but I think if they want to sign somebody to a bigger contract, probably got to happen at some point soon. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. Now, before we let you go, Paul, we are scheduled to go head-to-head in this Orioles family feud on uh, Monday night yep. on the Give That or that Give That Give Fan a podcast uh, that I actually co-host with Ryan. I will not be part of the hosting duties. I will just be a contestant on this. And kudos to you, and I expected nothing less, all class. I came at you twice on Twitter the other day, and you did not fall for my bait how is your Orioles trivia? <laughs> Should Zach and I be worried? Uh, I don't want to talk a big game because I am concerned. I don't know what le- what era this trivia is going to be from. Are we talking, you know, early Orioles? Are you know what, Paul? That was my question, 50s, too. 60s? I, yeah. I, 
are we talking recent Orioles history? I think yeah. I, I've learned quite a lot about the Orioles since I came to Baltimore, but mm-hmm. look, there are gaps in my knowledge. I'm a little bit concerned about that. You know, <laughs> Brendan probably would say the same. So I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I, look, I'm confident. I'm going to, every time I step up to the plate, I feel like I can hit a home run. I just, I don't know if I want to chirp this early. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I text Ryan after he put out that, that we were facing off in the first round. I was like, how are you going to give us the one seed in the first <laughs> round? Um, <laughs> see, and, 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 and I talk a big game. I, I, when, I, when we were doing the podcast last week, I said I expected to win the whole thing. And I do expect myself to win. But there is yeah. the, the nervousness of I pride myself on being a bit of an Orioles historian and knowing more about the Orioles than most people. And if I don't win this, mm-hmm. I don't know that my ego can take it, Paul. I don't know that I'm going to be able to handle <laughs> not winning this thing because this is like, this is my bread and butter, you know? So I'm a little bit nervous about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how can Orioles fans, you know, trust the Mass and All Access podcast if they don't know, you know, how many games Mike Cuellar won <laughs> 30 years ago? Right. You know? So it's, what, that's going to be tough. So, so I. I what? hope that we're we're up to the task, but look, as as it gets closer to Monday, maybe I'll maybe I'll start to do a little bit of chirping. We'll see. Yeah, I I I was thinking to myself, I need to like freshen up on my history. What I do know is that it's going to cover the whole franchise history, and we're talking from 1954 to now. I, Ryan yeah. did tell me that much, but the good news is, and it's family feud style. So I don't think it's going to be how many games did Mike Cuellar win. It's going to be more like. Who? What Orioles have won 20 games in the history of the Baltimore Orioles? And then you guess, and the, the number one answer gets the most points, and the number two answer gets second most, and so on and so forth. So it should make it a little bit easier gotcha. on us. Still a bit nervous, though, for sure. Um, Paul, thank yeah. you so much for joining us on such short notice. We certainly do appreciate it, and you were great as always. I look forward to squaring off with you on, uh, on uh, Monday night. Sounds good. You're a worthy opponent, and uh, look, we're, Brendan and I are coming in as the underdogs. That's okay. We like to to be a little bit uh, have a chip on our shoulder, be forgotten about by Vegas. That's okay. We can uh, <laughs> we can punch above our weight class. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. We'll see where the chips fall on Monday. Have a great weekend. <laughs> yeah. Take care. See ya. That was Paul Moncano joining us here on the Batter Round today. I want to remind you that the Batter Round is brought to you by the all-new Ginsu Kamado Grill, which is the perfect ceramic tailgate or home grill to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all kinds of food. Get the details and reserve yours today at ginsugrills.com and use the code TAILGATE to get $100 off your order. And you can sample the cooking from the Ginsu Kamado Grill at the Game Day Firehouse before every Ravens home game. That's 1202 Ridgely Street, just west of the stadium. Plus, you can register to win your own Ginsu Kamado Grill and $500 worth of grilling meats. When we come back in, Zach's going to sound off on his top three highlights of the winter meetings and the, t- and the bottom the, the three worst moments of the winter meetings and then we're going to get into Orioles banter that and more next on the bat around gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience but there are risks involved if you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer know your limit stay within it set a budget and a time to stop remember gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook Assistant GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Thursday, brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Experience the best in Kamado Grilling, a complete outdoor cooking appliance. The Ginsu Kamado Grill allows anyone to sear, grill, bake, and smoke all types of food. Designed for efficiency and function, the Ginsu Kamado Grill upholds the enduring legacy of the iconic Ginsu brand. The Ginsu Kamado Grill is perfect to cook all year round, is great for parties, and ideal for tailgating with your friends. Reserve your Ginsu Kamado Grill today at GinsuGrills.com and get $100 off on your pre-order when you use the promo code tailgate that's ginsugrills.com reserve yours today umbc basketball is back at chesapeake employers insurance arena and tickets are available now at umbcretrievers.com don't miss any of the great early season matchups as the men take on local rivals morgan state on december 10th and the women square off with american on december 18th and on new year's day a rematch of last year's america east championship game when the men welcome vermont to the peak Experience the excitement of game day by getting your tickets right now to come see the Retrievers at Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena. Lock yours in at umbcretrievers.com. Welcome back to the Batter Round. The Batter Round today is brought to you by... Pressbox offers. Pressbox is offering new sports bettors the best sign-up bonuses and promos from all seven of Maryland's online sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers now and get offers like $100 in free bets from Barstool after placing your first $10 bet, or up to $1,500 in risk-free bets from Caesars. Time is limited to get the best offers from all of the sports books. Go to pressboxonline.com/offers and sign up today. And while we do want you to go sign up for these offers and we do want you to gamble responsibly. We are aware that sometimes this can be a problem. It can be fun, but you need to limit and stay within it. And remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. All right. It is time for sounding off with Zach 
Goodman. And Zach's sounding off segment today is about the winter meetings and the three high points and the three low points yeah. of the winter meetings. Zach, the floor is yours. All right, so uh, I, I already mentioned some of the people I met and I talked to. I probably, I would say I talked to over a thousand people um, this week and shook about a thousand hands. It was a lot. Um, you know, I... It was a lot of new faces. Zach um, now has hepatitis. But yeah, maybe you never know. Um, but a lot of people that I recognize too. And my first one, my my first great thing about the winter meetings was you feel like you're at a celebrity party when you go to the bar at night, uh, the hotel bar. That's where everyone congregates. That's where everyone hangs out. So I was walking around, and you know, Aaron Boone and Alex Cora were were just having a drink together for a while. Um, and you could stand right behind them and listen to their conversation, do whatever you want. I didn't do that, of course, because I'm not a weirdo. But you can do I was that. I about to call you if, a weirdo. I was going to say. I mean, you can't do that. But uh, you, you, I guess you could if you wanted to. And and I saw Mike Rizzo and Kim Ng having a conversation and. This has happened all week. Uh, there, there's just a congregation of people, and you can walk around and introduce yourself to any number of them, um, which I did, obviously, and, and tell them that you're going to email them a resume and all that sort of thing. So it was a great way to network, um, and that's my bullet number two, is the networking was incredible. Um, there's people that simply just aren't accessible in other places. Like it, You can't just walk up to Mike Rizzo, for example, on the street and start talking to him because you just it's it's not going to happen but there's all these people congregate in the same place and you can go sell your story give your elevator pitch to all these people um and hope you make an impression and the networking it's it's truly incredible and i attended also i want to say three or four networking events um just outside of what happened at uh at the hotel bar and i ran into brandon hyde at one of them and uh, just a number of of player development and scouting executives from all these different teams so the networking was number two okay um and then number three was the food. San Diego has incredible food. I think everyone knows that. And the Mexican is one thing that I was told I have to get in San Diego. So I did. There was incredible Mexican food. We ate at a place in the gas lamp quarter, uh, which was also incredible. And uh, it was delicious. It was the first night I was there. Uh, it was on Saturday night, and it was just a great experience. Um, good margarita as well there. So I have to recommend the food and the drinks <laughs> in San Diego. Was it all business for you, or did you get some time to just kind of like sightsee and stuff like that? With your I dad, or you really you didn't do much sightseeing. I was in the hotel, the Grand Hyatt, and the Marriott, I would say 90% of the time. So I, I did a little bit, but I, I, I went out and saw the USS Midway because mm -hmm. it was right next to the hotel, and that's the old uh, World War II ship sure. that they have there. And that was pretty cool. But other than that, I didn't do a lot. Did you have like a game plan and itinerary or, or uh, itinerary or is it just kind of like, let's just go with the flow and see what I, happens? Yeah, I did a little bit of that. Um, I was with a company called Sports Management Worldwide mm -hmm. and they offer uh, career conferences more or less. So I got to hear from a former Dodgers GM, Dan Evans, a uh, bunch of former scouts, former agents, all of, you know, all of that kind of thing. So I was in conferences there for a little while. Um, I also had emailed probably 100 uh, people from teams. Uh, prior to going and uh, met up with probably 10 of them or so uh, while I was out there and uh, went to a few team open houses and, and met their front office executives. So did a lot of that. And then obviously like, the bar was, was kind of my plan at night because, again, that's where everyone congregates and the, and the lobby there in the hotel as well. Um, got to see a lot of John Heyman. It was funny. I was actually standing pretty close to John Heyman when he tweeted about Arson Judge. Um, so <laughs> it, it, I thought that oh, that's, was... That, that's cool. Was, was every other word out of his mouth Yankees? I have no clue. I, I did not talk to John Heyman, but he was there. Um, worst three things about the San Diego trip 
the travel was the worst. I was on Wednesday. I traveled basically the entire day. I got up. I stayed at a Holiday Inn. Uh, I, I stayed in three different hotels, but a Holiday Inn the night before I left uh, because it was close to the airport. It was right next mm-hmm. to it, and I get a free airport shuttle. So I stayed at this awful Holiday Inn. Um, it was basically more or less a motel. And the travel next day on, on the Wednesday was basically all day. I got up at 8 a.m. I didn't get home here in Baltimore till 9 p.m. So that so was 8 a.m over there got home at, at 9, 9 p.m. in Baltimore here. Yeah. so you're talking that was a it's a long day yeah that's that's a long day it's a long day well, I, it's not as long as if you did it in the in the reverse true yeah um so it was still a 10 hour day I had a uh, hour and a half layover in Kansas City so not a lot of fun and I had to pay Southwest eight dollars for their Wi-Fi which did I'm you try some barbecue not a big during fan the layover in Kansas City I did not there was no it was an awful airport in Kansas City. I don't yeah. know if I was at a big one or a small one or what was going on. But anyway, travel was was uh, my my worst point. Um, my second worst point is I forgot my laptop charger here at PressBox. So that wasn't great. Um, I realized once I got on the plane, I'm going, you know, I don't have a laptop charger. And, did uh, you have to buy one while you were out I there? I did not buy one. I actually used my brother's for a little while, but I, you know, he had to use it, obviously, too. So sure. um, I, I had, to, had to make do, but I actually came here on Wednesday night and grabbed it at, like, 11 p.m. So <laughs> laptop charger is secured, but that was number two. That makes it really inconvenient when you've got to email, like, a 1,000 people. So mm-hmm. that made it pretty inconvenient. And number three was just kind of the overall anxiety of it all by seeing all of the competition that you have. Because when you go there and you see hundreds of other people looking to do the exact same thing as you, it's a little bit uh, nerve-wracking, I guess you could say. And I'm, I'm a confident person. I, I go in there knowing that I have a pretty good resume already and that you know I've, I've already been, I think, pretty successful. But there's a lot of people who are in the exact same spot as you. And it's, it's definitely a little nerve-wracking. But you can't think about it. You, can't, you just got to stay your course and, and hope everything works out for you. But that was, I, I think, number three of the, of the worst things for me. Yeah, when, when I went to the winter meetings and I did a job fair back in 2016, um, I was overwhelmed by how many people. Yeah. I knew there were going to be a lot of people there, yeah. but I was overwhelmed at how much I paled in comparison. Mm-hmm. And it's, you're a confident guy, I'm a confident guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I know I'm good at what I, uh, at what I do. But at that point, I hadn't done this show. I hadn't done my podcast yet. I had only been writing for Utah Street Report and doing a little YouTube show that I had just started okay. uh, that same year. Um, that was, you know, it was just something I did in my basement. Yeah. You know what I mean? And my resume was not up to snuff. And when I got there and I see all these other people who are so much younger than me and had so much better resumes, and they're all talking, I'm hearing multiple dudes who, frankly, sounded like, like D-bags. Um, but they, they were talking about, oh, I had 10 interviews today and I've got 11 tomorrow and I have eight the following day. And yeah. I'm just, and I'm like, I have none. And like, it made me feel awful about myself, like absolutely awful about myself. And it's, it was over, like you said, the anxiety that you get from being around so many people that are looking to do the exact same thing yeah. as you. Yeah. And, and you are qualified you have a resume at a very young age that you can stack up against most people you already have an internship with a big league ball club which is so awesome to me and uh, like now imagine a guy who doesn't have any of that is 10 years older than you are right now at that point and being there and it was 
And, and there was. I mean, even Matt Joyce um, was actually in a lot of these career conferences with me. He's looking to get into broadcasting, so you might see Matt Joyce in a few years. But, right. um, you know, there, there was a lot of people definitely in their 40s and 50s looking to do the same thing. Just uh, I talked to one woman who was looking to become – she's a lawyer and, and just trying to become an agent, um, which mm-hmm. is obviously a, a prerequisite becoming a, an agent, um, but a complete career change um, for a lot of people. So it's, it's definitely an interesting place, and you meet a lot of people. And you meet a lot of people from different backgrounds. Um, one of the best guys I met out there, um, he's looking to get into baseball scouting, and he uh, was a cop for 20 years. So he just, again, another career change. And there's a lot of people looking to do that. But it's it's certainly the place to do it. If there's yeah. anywhere to do it, and you got to put, you know, with, with it, you got to kind of uh, commit yourself to making these connections and, and following up and, and doing all that. It's the whole process of it. So, uh, But I, it was a really enriching experience. I learned a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm just looking forward to the next few months and, and trying to build my resume more and, and see what happens. Yeah, if I could do it again, I'd do it the way you did it, where I'd, I'd go with a couple of people, yeah. um, stay in the hotel rather than drive back and forth, um, and spend my time in the bar at night networking and just meeting people instead of doing this yeah. regimented thing that really wasn't meant for a guy like me. Um, the job fair isn't meant for... You know, I didn't see a job fair. I could be... Maybe they don't do it anymore. Maybe not. I don't um, know. But I, I know that for... It, it, uh, by day three or four, if not sooner, I realized that the job fair wasn't meant for people like me. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I'm, I was going to have to take a longer route to get where I wanted to go. Um, but it, it's for people that want to work in baseball with a specific team. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there is broadcasting stuff and all that, but it's... I digress. It was it's for you. It sounds like a great experience, and if, with hindsight being what it is, I wish I would have done it the way that you did because yeah. it sounds like it was a much better experience. And like it sounds like you had a blast. Yeah, I, I really did. And I'll, you know, I'm going to do this next year um, if I'm if I'm still in the job market by then, and which I very well could be, probably will be. Um, and I know what's going to happen going in this year. Um, yeah. You know, I'm going to have a, a better plan, better idea, um, and, and hopefully I'll I'll reconnect with a lot of people I met. So yeah, really good experience. Uh, you know, really, I think it's really going to propel me in my career so yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with it well I got, I got to tell you man and not to get not to get all emotional with you or anything like that but when you first started doing this show I didn't know who you were man you were just this guy who did uh, give that fan or not to give that fan you did uh, Nate hit Nate the Foul, Foul hit the yeah. Foul podcast you were recommended by to me yeah. by a guy who I tried to get to host the show with me first and that was Matt Pine yep. and um you know you were just like a beginning college student and yeah. knew what you wanted to do but it wasn't but you weren't exactly sure you were just this kid to me and watching all the things that you've done and and how you've grown and where and where I know that you where I 100% know where you're headed I know where you're headed uh even if you don't uh I'm really proud of you thank I'm, you I'm proud of you, for, you so what, much. for what you've that. done and proud of you for what you're going to do uh you're gonna do big things in this industry in Appreciate this sport that. um just really proud of you man you know keep keep at it do not give up even no Will matter not. how hard it gets, do not get up, give up because you have a really, really bright future in this. Thank you. So, Appreciate you know, that. A- absolutely, absolutely. So, Zach, sounding off segment, very good. By the way, thank you for sharing your experience with us. Zach, sounding off segment brought to you today by the uh, current print issue of Pressbox, which we're in the final weeks for you to pick up the current print issue of Pressbox on the cover. New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he's inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program. Turned around. He's doing a 
damn good job of it so far. Also inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all the teams in the area, and both Smolka Profiles, Ravens receiver Devin Duvernay. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. And again, remember, last final weeks before the next edition comes out to get this current edition. And as always, you can find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Now, Zach, we're going to head into... I guess it's Orioles banter, but it's more baseball banter. We're going to talk about sure. the biggest winners, middlers, and losers. Okay. Not bet middlers, the middlers, <laughs> the middling teams of the winter meetings. Did you come up with with a list of for yourself? I, I have them in my head. I'm going to kind of play off uh, what you've got over there. Because okay. So what we've got here, all right? Not, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no. Um, what we've got here, I've got three winners, three middlers, teams that I think mm-hmm. did some nice stuff, but they need more or maybe what they did was not responsible and then i have three losers i'm not including teams like the dodgers who really haven't done anything except re-sign clayton kershaw because they're still so freaking loaded they won 111 games last year and yeah they they had a quick ouster again in the postseason but their roster is absolutely loaded they, they could do nothing this offseason and still be the best team in baseball next year, or at least one of them, and make the playoffs. So teams like that I'm, I'm not including, and teams like the Oakland Athletics or the Detroit, I guess I could include the Detroit Tigers because of how well they, they did in 2021 and how bad they did in 2022, but those lower-level teams like the Nationals, teams like that, I'm, they're not included in this um, because they're not there, right? Um, this is more so a list of teams that you expect to be there, um, or at least be in contention to be there if they got closer, if they stayed right in the middle of the pack, or if they got further away. All right, and without, with that in mind, um, my three winners. Number one, the New York Mets. They signed the reigning AL Cy Young Award winner, Justin Verlander. They signed bounce-back starter, Jose Quintana, uh, bounce-back reliever, David, Rob- David Robertson, and re-signed the on-base machine, Brandon Nimmo. And this is all after opening the offseason by re-signing Edwin Diaz. Yeah. My number one minner, minner, winner is the New York Mets. Yeah, they were going to be number two for me, actually. Um, the Mets are a team that... They, they love to re-sign guys, frankly. Mm-hmm. They didn't get the Grom back, and that broke a lot of people's hearts. But Justin Verlander had a really good year last year. Cy Young. And, you know, right. I mean, he's he's still an excellent pitcher, even at his higher age at this point. He's a guy who I think is going to have, you know, he's not going to probably win the Cy Young again, but he's going to have a great year no matter what. And you pair him up with a guy like Max Scherzer. You pair him up with the rest of that pitching staff. It's frankly still pretty good. And then that lineup, you bring a guy like Brandon Nimmo back, who I've loved Brandon Nimmo for a long time. Really the complete package, five-tool kind of guy. Um, gets on base, like you said, really good two-hitter. Love that deal as well. You bring Edwin Diaz back, like you mentioned. That was a few weeks ago, obviously. But they've completed uh, three areas of their team in the in the closer role, the outfield role, and the starting pitcher role, um, and they've done a really good job of it so far. Quintana's a, a, not a great signing, not one of my favorites, but still a, maybe a sleeper. Yeah. But the whole Quintana thing to me, like he had a, he had a great year, he did. but he hadn't been good for six years before. And that's exactly what what I, I thought about that when I saw it. But I I still think there might be some value he can provide to them. Uh, but again, what they've done so far has been excellent. I think they're they're definitely one of the winners. Yeah, and, and Quintana, he was, this past year, let's, let's not sell him short, he no. was phenomenal 
with the Pirates. He was. And then he got traded to St. Louis, and he was even better. It's just a question of whether he can keep that going after, like you said, I mean, it's been a while for him uh, since he's the last time he's been good prior to this this past year. And for so my number two winner, and it, maybe it seems a little um, not not it, it, it it's misleading, I guess, but. My number two winner is, is the St. Louis Cardinals. Interesting. It's the okay. St. Louis Cardinals because they really only have one hole to fill, and that was at catcher. And so they went out and they they only made the one significant signing, but it was they replaced a Hall of Fame catcher in Yadier Molina with the best catcher on the free agent market in Wilson Contreras. And for me, they they got better offensively. They may have gotten a little bit worse defensively because he's not a great defensive catcher, but their lineup gets elongated now. Uh, you add him to a lineup that already has. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, who was the MVP, Nolan Arenado, who was a finalist for the MVP and a silver slugger and a gold glove winner, and I think Tyler O'Neill is going to have a nice bounce back for them also. Yeah. I think that adding Wilson Contreras to that lineup, I think that it means, I think that puts them over the top for me to go back and repeat as Central Division okay. champions. So for me, it was the Cardinals. It was one signing, but it was such a big signing that they're a winner for me. I know they'll probably be number three on your list, I'm, I'm assuming, but I'll, I'll, I'm taking the Phillies um, as my number one, actually, as we're going to backtrack mm-hmm. here. So the, the Phillies, they, again, we, we talked about the weaknesses of them, and I think last year they really were missing a few elements, one of them being speed. They didn't have a lot of it in good defense, and Trey Turner brings both of those things along with a really good bat. Trey Turner is one of the, again, I talked about it with Nimmo, but one of the true five-tool players in this league and one of the best players in this league. Yeah, 11 years is a long time for that guy. A long time. Trey Turner might not be a, a very productive player in 11 years, but what they, I, I can guarantee um, is that he's going to help him for at least the five, next five or six. And uh, Trey Turner is a guy who just makes a difference across the entire board. And I also love the Taiwan Walker signing. I'm a big Taiwan Walker fan. And yeah, he maybe didn't have the best season this year compared to what he's done in the past, but that's a guy with a pedigree. That's a guy you can count on and at 72 million i think that's a very fair deal so i love absolutely love those two signing for the phillies yeah the, you were you were spot on the phillies were my number three team yeah um trey turner was a be- i know aaron judge was out there he was the best player on the market he was he was the best player on the free agent market and he's a guy that 11 years at for 30 years old if you're going to sign any 30 year old to an 11 year contract it should be a guy like yeah, I mean, R- ricky henderson w- with all his speed played for a pretty long time i believe yeah. i don't know what no, age he, but he, he played into his mid 40s yeah he had like yeah. a 26 year mm-hmm. career julio franco yep. played till he was like 49 sometimes those speed guys like you mentioned with, with trey turner and how he just glides they have the athletic ability to really just have that longevity in baseball that a lot of guys don't have you, you can tell that he's a guy who, who he eats right. He works on his body. He yep. makes sure he he has the flexibility, and he's going to yep. be a guy who's always going to have that that regimen throughout his career, where you really expect that he's gonna he's gonna live up to that contract and be the one guy that lasts pretty deep into it without mm-hmm. you regretting it. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to get eight or nine really solid years out of out of Trey Turner. You mentioned the Taiwan Taiwan Walker signing. This is a team that they're going to be without Bryce Harper. Uh, the first half of the year because he got Tommy John surgery. Yep. So he's going to be out to at least the All-Star break. And they lost Zach Eflin out of their rotation. They replaced him with Taiwan Walker, who frankly is better. Uh, Trey Turner makes you not miss Harper that much. And then once Harper gets back, look out. 
that team look out. Yeah, I mean, we talked about their holes, and they just filled two major ones. Yeah, and yeah. that's that to me is an absolute win for the Phillies. I'm excited to watch them. I, I just love Trey Turner too. I, I do I, too. And and Tywin Walker again. I mentioned I, I'm a huge fan of that guy as well. So that team immediately added two huge difference makers. That's probably eight wins combined this year when you look yeah. at WAR. Yeah. Uh, I, if if not, I mean Turner could get that. All if the not more, yeah. Yeah. So um, and who was your number three? So my number three, it's going to be a little controversial, but I'm going the Yankees. I you know, they had to re-sign Judge. They really did because they don't have a guy who I look at in the farm system right now is going to come up and make that kind of difference. You're you're never going to replace Judge, but at least you can try to build on on some of his success, his success. Uh, but they got him back. They they re-signed him to a deal that frankly they're going to regret probably the second half of it. Um, but you had to you had to do this mm-hmm. deal. You had to stretch it to nine years to get him back. They're going to be very successful with Aaron Judge in the next three or four years. So the Yankees had to do that. They 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 are my number three. Uh, you know, I I thought about putting him in, in my top three because Aaron Judge is such a big signing, but they didn't make it into my top okay. three. Uh, I I had I was gonna kind of I had a plan with the Yankees and I decided to to, to swerve away from that plan. But um, so all right, so for my middling teams, mm-hmm. number one is the Boston Red Sox. Okay. They made really nice additions to their bullpen and Kenley Jansen, Joelle Rodriguez, and Chris Martin, but they gave $90 million yeah. plus a $15.4 million posting fee to a 29-year-old player in Mazataka Yoshida who has never set foot on a major league yeah. field, and he's 29. This guy better be Ichiro for that kind of money. They lost out on Xander Bogarts to the Padres, and they were outbid for Zach Eflin, Jose Abreu, and Tommy Conley. They yeah. made some nice bullpen additions if... Uh, Yoshida turns out to be a really good player. That's nice. Mm-hmm. They need more. They need more. They they, they could lose Nathan Nivaldi. They could lose JD Martinez. They need more. And yeah. the, you can't lose out on players like Eflin Abreu yeah. and and Kenley, especially Abreu. If he was your number one target and you, and, and you lost out on him, and the the what 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 Zach Eflin did to him. They offered him the same year, the same deal that the Rays did. Yeah. Three years, forty million. He took that deal and went to Tampa Bay, and he said, yeah. "If you give me this, I'll sign with you." And that's exactly what they did. Now it gets it gets him closer to where he spends, where he lives. So I understand that. But you were in last place mm-hmm. last year. You've had as many last place finishes as first place finishes, if not more, in the last decade plus, sandwiched around a couple of World Series wins. Yeah. You need to do more because right now you're still not keeping pace in this division. Yeah, I guess I would say I'm kind of confused on what their plan is. Mm-hmm. Like, what are they trying to do? I, I really haven't figured that out because last year I felt like they were trying to compete. They didn't. I don't think they have the pieces to compete regardless of making these additions. It still looks like they're trying to add. They, it looks like that. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're going out and getting guys. And they're spending money. But I think wh- they're going to make a run at Dansby Swanson. They very well could. After losing Xander Bogarts, they very well could. I it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, with them because I I'd like to figure out where they're headed. I'd like to figure out what their plan is, but I don't see a, a very clear path for them at the moment. But you know they they had maybe a few guys add Swanson at a at a starting pitcher. Maybe they get a guy like Bassett. They could be a dangerous team again. Yeah, you know, maybe they have the pieces. I don't know. I love their offense if they still have Bogarts. And they, they have to work yeah. out an extension for, for Rafael Devers. They do. They, they have to work something out with huge, him, too. Huge, huge extension. Yeah, pro- the, probably top $300 million, yeah. I would think. Oh, it's, it's going to be monstrous because yeah. he's yeah. a hell of a player and he he's is. still so young. Um, 
Look, they have the potential to be a really good team, but they also have the potential to fall flat on their face, and that's why they're in the middle. Right, which is, I don't, I don't know what their plan is, right? right? Like, they can end up this year at 72 wins, or they can end up at 95. Did, I'm did, not sure. Right. Did you have a team, or is that kind of what you're just kind of playing? No, with? I had another team, actually. Who's your number one middle so team? So, I, I thought the Cubs had are in very much the same situation. Yeah. Um, they're, I love the Tyon signing. I think Tyon's a great pitcher. Um, or Maybe not a great pitcher. I think Tyon's an above-average pitcher. He's good. And Cody Bellinger, if they... If if they get their development right and they make him into the player he was, that's an incredible value for a guy like Cody Bellinger. But that's a big if. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know what their plan is. Are the Cubs trying to compete? They signed Marcus Stroman last year, and I, I thought the same thing. I did a sounding off segment on it last year where I said, why did you sign Marcus Stroman if you're not really trying to compete? And they didn't. Right. They, they had they, a whole trade they off. Good. They had a whole trade off the year before yeah. at the deadline, and then they go out and sign one of the top pitchers exactly. in the market. Like, what is happening? So there? I right, and, and you saw what the Orioles did in all these years of the rebuild. You you don't sign top free agent players. Uh, if you're not trying to compete. So what they've done these past two years has made me think, well, maybe they are trying to compete. And then you look at what they did last year in the record, and they, they didn't. And frankly, I don't think Cody Bellinger and Jamison Tyon is nearly enough to put them at the top of that division. It's a tough one. Um, we talked about the Cardinals and some other good teams in that division. So I, I don't really like the Cubs' choices at the moment. Yeah, I um, they, they, they don't make a lot of sense to me because it's like – yeah. Now the expectation for the Cubs is you should be trying for a World Series. Yeah. You, you won one in 2016. You should be continuing to look to try to win another World Series, and they're kind of look, looking to just stay relevant. And I 100% support spending money. Go out there, spend yeah. money, whatever. That's great. It's great for the market. It's great for the players. But you've got to have a plan, and I want to know what that plan is. Yeah. Uh, my number two team, and we just talked about this, it's the Yankees. Yeah. They they re-signed Aaron Judge. It was a must. Nine years, three hundred sixty million for a thirty-year-old outfielder with an inj- with a history of injuries. Seems a little foolhardy to me, but again, they had to do it because look at the team without him. Yeah. Unless, but it's true. He- here's the thing: unless they upgrade their starting rotation, because who's pitching for him? You got Garrett Cole, you got Luis Severino, and then who else they got? Uh, Cortez. Do, uh, uh, and and uh, I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. I always he's so unassuming. Uh, he uh, is, uh, um, and, and he could have a complete bust of a year. That's very yeah, possible. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. could, he's a very soft tosser, but he throws a ton of pitches, and yeah. he has elite command. Um, but you have three starters. Three. Yeah. Who 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 are your infielders? Andrew Heaney's now gone as well. Well, um, well, he was with the Dodgers. As oh, you're correct. You're correct. Sorry uh, about that. Who who are your who are your infielders? Is Peraza, um, Oswaldo Peraza is going to get probably a pretty big run with them. Um, and then outside of that, some big question marks. Is 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 Josh Donaldson still around? Uh, you got Anthony Rizzo playing first. You got yeah. a, you have a lot of aging guys on big contracts. Yeah. And I yeah. know that you you've got uh, was it Anthony Volpe. Volpe is coming. Volpe, yeah. and yeah. Volpe is, and, and Trey Sweeney as well. Two excellent middle infielders. They're excellent players. Yeah, you, you've you've got excellent players coming. Yeah. I mean, but Wander Franco was one of the best prospects of all time, and yeah. he spent most of last year hurt. And the, I still think Wander Franco is a really good player. But mm-hmm. what's you? Just because these guys are expected to be really great players, that doesn't mean that that's what they become. No, oh, by the way, my hands are freezing. If you can't, I, <laughs> I was looking at that. Um, yeah. Um, but for, so for me, it's like you signed Aaron Judge, you put all your eggs in that basket, mm-hmm. and you still have a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. They do. Um, otherwise, thirteen-year World Series drought is going to continue. Right. I, I picked them for a, a winner because they had to re-sign Judge, and yeah. they did. So they, I, I think they got done what they wanted to get done. 
and now they can kind of take their focus in the offseason and make it into getting a better starting rotation. And, and they can they can chill now. They can let that sigh of relief and say, okay, now we're back at square one. We got the guy we had last year. Let's move on and add. And and, and to your point, this is the winners, middlers, and losers of the winter meetings. Yeah. It's not the offseason. Yeah. The offseason isn't over yet. There are plenty of teams that made great moves beforehand, like the Mariners and the Rangers. Right. They really didn't do anything during. And teams that are going to make big moves after yeah. the winter meetings, we hope the Orioles are one of them. The fact that Jerry Depoto didn't make a trade while we were out there, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was sure Jerry Depoto would make a trade. He's always good for one, but he didn't. Who was your number two team? Um, I, I I had the Cubs and the Red Sox. Oh, Cubs and the Red Sox. Yeah. Okay. Yep. My number three, and it's going to seem weird, but, but stick with me here. Okay. It's the Padres. For me, it's the Padres. Me too. Me it's, too. It's Xander Bogarts was added to a lineup that will also feature Manny Machado, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis, which yeah. is huge. But 11 years for Bogarts, paired with the monster contracts of Machado and Tatis, that, that could have the Padres hurting in a few years. When you factor in that they tried to offer Judge a 14-year deal and were given the cold shoulder by Trey Turner, this team just reeks yeah. of desperation. It I seems agree. to me that like they got in late on Turner. They got mm-hmm. in late on Judge. And it seems to me that they're handling this offseason in a reactive manner yes. instead of a proactive manner. They're not going right. out and trying to do what they think is best for their ball club. They're looking around at everybody else and saying, oh, that's what they want to do? Well, now let's go do this so that we can stop them. Right. They're, 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 it seems like they're trying to be a roadblock for a team rather than just doing what's best for their ball club to make them better. It kind of feels like they're throwing money at guys yeah. to me. With, with the judge, with Trey Turner, and of course now uh, with actually getting Xander Bogarts. Someone said, I want to say it was Ken Rosenthal, not sure who it was, but he said... They finally got someone to take their money. And that's kind of what I felt like. like right. they, they were waiting for one of the stars to say yes, and they, and they finally got one. But they got a guy on an 11-year deal. And Xander Bogarts very well may be good for seven years of that. I would mm-hmm. actually bet he is. He's a really good hitter, a guy yeah. who's going to last for a while. Uh, but I, I don't think he has the same kind of body type of Trey Turner that's going to last him He's uh, in good for, shape. for quite as long. Oh, I'm, I'm very good shape, obviously. Yeah. All these guys are. But um, I, I don't know if that 11-year deal is quite as good as the Trey Turner one. And I just feel, I'm going to use an NBA term here with, with what they do in the Super max contracts that's almost what it feels like the Padres do over and over they just hand out these super max contracts that have an unbelievable AAV and an unbelievable number of years and and amount it just like you said it kind of seems a little desperate and they're they're just throwing their money at guys and and the other thing about it is that there's no sentimentality yeah to it there's no we really want you right right we're throwing money at everybody yeah hoping something sticks. And, and someone just commented a great point that Manny's probably going to opt out after this year. It's yeah, a very possible. Yeah, thing. he 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 very likely could. Yeah. A lot most of these guys have the opt outs because they plan to opt out. You mm-hmm. know, the, the only time the players don't opt out is when they didn't have that great of a year or maybe it was a year that was substandard for them and they're like, "You know what? I'm just going to opt in because I, I my market may not be what I think it is." Um would have been a great year to opt out for Manny if he did it after this year. Yeah. Um but there's no feeling of there's no warm and fuzzy feeling of signing with that team. It's we will pay anybody yeah. that we think is really good. We don't care about you as a person. We don't care about you as a human being. We care about what you do on the field, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's the message that they're sending. And yeah, I, a lot of players and Trey Turner, if it's I can stay at home on the East Coast with a team that really pursued me, made me their number one tar- target all off season, or I can go to the Padres who made an 11th hour run at me because they wanted to stop another team from getting me right I'm even though they offer me more money I'm going over here let's not forget a few years ago that they almost got Max Scherzer and Trey Turner and that mm-hmm. deal from the Nationals that fell through 
it's almost like they're always almost there on a lot of these guys. They they either make the trade off or they throw the money at them, but it never happens because they're almost just well. I guess in in the Bogarts case it did happen, and the Juan Soto case it did happen. But they're a team that, like you said, it, it seems like they're just trying to go after any good player possible and throw money at them or make a trade offer at them and just hope it works. And in some cases it has, but it hasn't led to a World Series and it hasn't led to them even being in a World Series. This point. yeah, and a guy like Xander Bogarts. Wait, you you're gonna give me eleven years at over twenty five. What's he gonna do? Say no. <laughs> every, like, right. No other team is gonna give me more than eight years. You're yeah. gonna give me eleven. Eleven. All right, I'm in. It's like that's like the one player. Because that's the entire rest of his career. Right. And it's gone. That's yeah, it. Yeah. If you if it was an eight year deal, it was the rest of his career. They gave me eleven. Right. Eleven. Does he so, even opt out? I didn't check. On I, that. I think it's a full no trade, wow. no opt out thing. I think he's there. You know. So to me, it's like. Wow, you guys are just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks, and something finally did. But it's a, it's a bad look, and it makes it's going to make players question whether or not they want to go there because you obviously just you think that money is the be all end all. Yeah, and you know what I mean. So for me, it's it's a cold way to go about things. So that's why they're my number three midler because they did get good players, but at what cost? Uh, and then my losers. And we got to hurry up with this because we're we're sure. uh, my losers. Number one, Toronto. They yeah. made the playoffs for the second time in three years with a World Series caliber roster, only to be swept out of the wild card round. And they've done nothing to rectify that. All they've done this entire offseason is trade Teoscar Hernandez to the Mariners. They, they they were supposedly the favorite for Nimmo. They didn't get him. They haven't signed anybody. And you have a roster that for two years now has been good enough to be a World yeah. Series contender. And the one year you didn't make the playoffs, and the next year you did. Mm-hmm. You blew a six-run lead in the sixth inning in the second game, and you got swept in the wild card. Yeah. So, and to not do anything in this offseason, to not be one of the big splash teams, to be like, hey, we're taking this seriously and we're here. Yeah. Toronto not doing anything to this point. They're my number one loser. Give me the Baltimore Orioles as the number one loser of the off uh, of the winter meetings, not the the offseason. Again, they have a long way to go. They mm-hmm. could absolutely prove me wrong here and, and make some signings, but they, there was an expectation that it would at least come away with something. And Kyle Gibson is fine, but he's no more than really what Jordan Lyles was last year. If they go out and got, if they had gone out and got Chris Bassett, or if if they had gotten, you know, even Nelson Cruz or someone along those lines, JD Martinez, whoever it is, I would have completely changed my tune here. But they didn't really do anything. And sure, there are offers on the table. Michael Elias let us know there's some multi-year offers for free agent starting pitchers out there. But they didn't do anything at the winter meetings. They're my number one loser. Yeah, They're my number two loser. They were the feel-good story of the 2022 season. They improved from a 110-loss team to an 83-win team. The, the, the Kyle Gibson, um, they, they, they swapped out Jordan Lyles, like you said. For, yeah, the, Jordan, for, the, for the Jordan Lyles-esque Kyle Gibson. They signed Franchi Cordero and Nomar Mazzara to minor league deals. GM got the fan base talking with visions of significant roster upgrades only to use the winter meetings as a time to backpedal. Yeah. Like, that's the time when you're supposed to be, like, living up to those expectations. And instead, Mike Elias... And look, what he did... I, I've never questioned Mike Elias. He's done everything he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. But there's... Make no mistake about it. The comments that he's made, the things that he's said and the backpedaling he's done since August, it's been eye-opening. He basically said that they traded Trey Mancini and Jorge Lopez because the, it was not a high probability that the Orioles weren't going to make the postseason. And then he took a step back, and that's where liftoff from here came from. Yeah. And I don't, and maybe it wasn't his intent, but liftoff has an aggressive connotation to it, right? Then you get into, you get into the winter meetings, and instead of really getting after it, you make 
low ball offers, it seems like, like when I say low ball, not money-wise, but years-wise, yeah. to these free agent pitchers. And then when they don't take those deals, now you have to backpedal and say, well, what I really meant by liftoff was that we're in an upward trajectory. Yeah. Well, that's not liftoff, man. That's Liftoff is you go straight up in a rocket. You, well, you're so, on, we're on takeoff. Takeoff, yes. It, we're on takeoff from right. here. It has a completely different connotation. It says we're on an upward trend, but it's going to take us some time to get to 37,000 feet. Yeah, I, I think takeoff would have been the, the better word. Because, mm-hmm. right, you're gonna it's going to take a few hours to get to high altitude. Probably so, the most regretted uh, phrase in the history of a general manager uh, yeah, is, is liftoff, except for like those people <laughs> that were like huge racists and said stupid stuff that, like yeah, shot, yeah. Um, stuff like that. But, but in recent history, he probably will regret for the rest of his career saying liftoff. Because the, the the backpedaling that he's done from that, and I get what he means when you look back at the original quote, and then you look at the, what he said at the winter meetings, it makes sense. Yeah. But come on, man, you've got to have a better feel for that. And the things that he said to his franchise about about his franchise when it came to not a high probability making the playoffs yeah. and the liftoff, and then taking a step back from that, we're going to make significant additions to the payroll. And now it's like, well, we don't want to sign anybody to that's going to block anybody, and we don't want to trade major league talent for major league talent. What are we doing here, man? And, and, oh, and they also come out and say, we want to make the postseason, but we don't think it's – we have to look at the realities of it's not probable that we're going to win our division. And to me, that's like, why would you say that? Like, why would you come out – like, the, some of the stuff that he said since August is dumbfounding to me. Orioles are my number two lo- – they could be my number one, okay. but they're my number two loser. So I actually only have one other team, um, and that's the Milwaukee Brewers. I – they're another team that I go. Where's the plan? What are What are they doing? They you never have a plan. Dude. They, they really don't, and they didn't do anything uh, thus far in the off season. They didn't really do anything at the winter meetings. They had talked to some other teams. I heard like they talked to the Diamondbacks, but they, they traded Colton Wong. They did for um they for Toro and, yes, and a- Jesse Winker. Abraham Toro and Jesse Winker, and that's not really a trade that moves the needle for me yeah. personally i actually like colton wong better i like that i like those the Mar- guys are big bounce back candidates I, I guess so i like the mariner side of that deal more um but they didn't do anything and they're a team that i still think if they try if they try because they have brandon woodruff they have corbin burns they have the pieces if they try they could make a run at the top of that division but they, they haven't so far so yeah. I, I give them a loss yeah willie adamas is their I is, love is, Willie is, Adams. He's the best position player. Yeah. I like Willie Adams, but he can't be the best player on your team. No, he can't. He can't be. And they 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 got to get a bounce back from a, of a guy that starts with uh starts a C. <laughs> his name starts a C, and his name is Christian Yelich because they they really need a, a big bounce back. Yeah, and I I don't think that's ever going to happen. No, I think it's more likely for Bellinger to bounce back than Yelich. Yelich, it's it's yeah. back issues, yeah. and I don't think it's ever going to happen for him. Correct. He's going to have to change the kind of player that he is, basically. Um, and then my third loser, the Chicago White Sox. It's another talented roster did nothing at the winter meetings to get themselves back in the thick of the AL Central race. Look, they, ridding themselves to Tony La Russa was addition by subtraction. Yes. But losing – and people have been trying to spin it that the Jose letting Jose Abreu go is a good thing because now you have Andrew Vaughn back at his natural position. That's fine, but Jose Abreu is a professional hitter. Your lineup got worse. I met their new manager, by the way. Seems like an excellent fit. Yeah, excellent fit. Okay. And I heard him speak a little bit to to us. Um, and he was he seems like an incredibly smart guy. Well, so I think they made a great hire. Yeah, they they likely did. Um, but they're gonna have to add, have to add something. You know, they they added Mike Clevenger, I think, right before the meeting started. Yeah. Um, but they they, they, they're gonna need more. Yep. They're gonna need more. Um, to kind of prove like, hey, 
yeah, you guys are in love with the Indians. Don't forget about us. I mean, the Guardians. Don't forget about us. We're right. still here. We're still here. So, all right. Uh, you said you didn't have a third team, right? I do not have a third team. Okay. Very good. Very good. Good segment. Uh, we got to catch our final break. I want to remind you, today's show is brought to you by Pressbox's Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen to PressBoxOnline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcast. You have no excuse to not catch up with Gun Clark Radio. You never know who might pop up on GCR this week. The guys caught up with former Ravens quarterback Trent Dilfer, Steelers wide receiver and former Ravens um, and former Raven Miles Boykin, and Maryland women's basketball star Diamond Miller. You can find those interviews and more in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. Zach, do you have a trivia question for me? I do. Well, all right. Well, then when we come back on the bat around, Zach's got a trivia question for me. We'll offer our final thoughts and maybe talk just a little bit of Ravens to close things out. That and more next on the bat around. Come experience Maryland's number one sportsbook this NFL season at the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel, the ultimate place for any sports enthusiast. Take advantage of our 24-7 kiosks, massive video screens, and watch all the action from the best seat in the house. With more money paid out than anyone around, make every moment more at the new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Looking for a simple holiday meal? Try Chick-fil-A Catering. From Chick-fil-A nuggets to mac and cheese, enjoy a variety of tray options sized perfectly for your get-together. Order through the Chick-fil-A app and bring smiles to your family gathering. Availability and order requirements vary. See restaurant for details. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. The weather outside is really unpleasant, so it's time to warm up with some comfort classics this winter at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill. Try the twisted ribs and wings combo. It's two full pounds of meat, the mac and cheese bites, Mr. Richard's meatloaf, the citrus salmon, the winter spinach salad, and for dessert, here's internet radio personality Griffin Bass to tell you about the bourbon butter cake. Oh my god, it's so good. Pair it with a blood orange bourbon cider or a devil's backbone cranberry smash. Place your order now at glorydaysgrill.com Glory Days Grill great food good sports that first sip that first bite mm. starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at royal farms choose from a fantastic selection of fresh royal farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world at royal farms breakfast is available day and night it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, New Maryland basketball coach Kevin Willard sits down with Stan Charles and Glenn Clark to discuss the situation he inherited in College Park and how he plans to get the program turned around. Also, inside, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from all of the teams in the area. And Bo Smoka profiles Ravens receiver Devin DuVernay. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Join the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park for Christmas Tide Stakes Day on Monday, December 26. An exciting day of live horse racing awaits you with a whopping six stakes races worth $600,000 in prize money. Plus, enjoy a specially curated stakes buffet, a delicious hot chocolate bar, and hot cider cocktails. It may be cold, but Laurel Park has plenty of horse racing excitement, food, and beverages to keep you warm. Don't miss Christmas Tide Stakes Day at Laurel Park. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. All right, welcome back to the bat around. Almost done here on this lovely December Saturday. Today's show brought to you by the next Tyus Bowser show, which is this Tuesday, December 13th at the Hamilton Sports Bar and Grill on Harford Road. Tyus and a special guest will join Rita and Glenn for the Tyus Bowser show. This is your opportunity to meet Baltimore football stars while getting the inside scoop on the purple and black. The Tyus Bowser show is a partnership of Pressbox and Great H memorabilia and is brought to you by Maryland Vascular Specialists and the all-new Ginsu Grill. Find out more at PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. And don't worry, if you miss the Tyus Bowser Show, you can check it out every Friday night throughout the season on 105.7 The Fan. All right, let's warm you up. All right. Let's get you warmed up. Yeah, my hands are freezing. <laughs> oh, you're talking about for, triv- for, 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 <laughs> for, for trivia. For the feud on... on well, I, I love, ex- love the feud. What you got for me? All right, so uh, it's 110 days from opening day right now. MLB just posted that. You'll see it if you go on their Twitter account. Sure. We do not yet know who will be the Orioles starting pitcher on opening day. I would assume Kyle Bradish, but we don't know. Can you name every Orioles starting pitcher on opening day from 2000 to 2010? So 2000 was Mike Mussina. You're correct. 2001, I'm going to say Scott Erickson. It was not Scott Erickson. Hmm. But Scott Erickson's on here, so if okay, you can name so, the year. So um, 2002... The opening day starter. I was at this game, and I know that um, uh, Rodrigo Lopez got the win, but he wasn't the opening day. He's also on this list, but not in 2002. He wasn't yeah. the opening day starter. He came in in relief. Was 2002 Erickson? It was Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson. Okay. Um, 2001. Who was here? That would have been the opening day starter in 2000. I'm going to come back to that. Okay, uh, sure. Th- 2003 was Rodrigo Lopez. Yes. Also 2004? No. Really? No. Huh, I'll come back to 2004. Okay. Uh, 2005, I think, was Lopez. Yes. Uh, 2006, I want to say, was Eric Bedard? It was not. Huh. I'll come back to that. Let, let, me, let me go backwards. Okay. Uh, let, let, let me go backwards. <laughs> Start of 2010. So... so Oh, it's from 2000-2010? Yes, that was... Oh, okay. Yep, yep. okay. Um, 2010, I want to say it was Kevin Millwood. You're correct. Uh, 2000- that's, a, that's a good one right there. I would yeah. never have gotten that. Uh, 2009, Bedard was already gone. Um, oh, my God. 2009 roster. That was Adam <laughs> Jones' like 19 home run season. Nick Markakis had yeah. a good year. Uh, crap. <laughs> 
I don't know. Um, 2008 was Jones's first year, so it wasn't Bedard. So I know 2007 had to have been Bedard. It was. All right. So that brings me back to 2006. Six. Oh, my gosh, man. This is really hard for me. I, You're I, doing well, though. I mean, I, you're only missing so, a few. So let's see. We've got Mike Mussino. We've got Scott Erickson. We've got Rodrigo Lopez. Did I guess him twice? He got twice or just the one Lopez side? is is actually on this list more than you mentioned it, but you mentioned him twice so I've far. I've mentioned him twice. So yes. it was... Oh, 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 oh. Jeremy Guthrie was in 2009? Yes. So Jeremy, Jeremy Guthrie, Guthrie. Was, in, was in 2009. I want to say... I'm going to go with... Um, uh, what was the guy's name? He had the... Chris Benson. No. Jason... Oh, Jason Hamill. No. No, Jason Hamill came in 2012. That was 2013. Jason but Hamill started. He came, yeah, and he, and he came in 2012 yeah. to the team. Um, Sidney Ponson in 2003. No, no. You already had three, which was Rodrigo uh, Lopez. Sidney Ponson, because the Orioles signed him in the offseason. He was the opening day starter in 2004. Correct. Um, so you're missing so far 2001. 2001. And 2008. And 2006. So one, 2001, six and 2006. 2008. Yeah. Um, who was pitching for the Orioles in 2001? I know they had... Scott Erickson was hurt in 2001. I don't even think he pitched at all that year. Um, this was Cal's last year. Yep. They didn't have Moussin anymore. He was with the Yankees. Jimmy Key was long gone at that point. Scott Kamenicki was gone. Um... Oh my gosh, you're gonna tell me, and I'm gonna be like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" Uh, I don't know about that. I, I don't think you're gonna be. I mean, he he had a really good career, but not much of it was in Baltimore. Only a few years, and it was the end of his career when he when is, he pitched in Baltimore. Is Omar Dahl one of these guys? No. Okay. Um. Uh. Who was the guy who won? I think that was Kevin Millwood that won 20 games, and then they brought him here. There was a guy who won 20 games. He was a 20-game winner at one point in his career. And he, and, but that year, he had like a four, a higher than four and a half ERA despite winning 20 games. And he did it with Texas, right? He did it with... This guy won 20 games with Toronto. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was Pat... Pat... Oh, my <laughs> God. What the hell was his name? Because that, that was that, he was a starter in 2000. 2001. In 2001. And that was... Was oh the opening gosh. day starter in 2001. Oh, my gosh. And then I think he was... Uh, it, oh, my gosh. And I know... Um, is... Oh, why can't I think of it? It begins with a G. No. It, it, it does It does not. But there is a G in it. Pat... Oh, my God. What the hell is this guy's name? <laughs> it's Pat something. Uh, I should get a half a point. Oh, you get a half point, yeah. You get um, point. You're so far at you're at seven and a half out of ten. Then, who was? I, I gotta think back to that rotation in 2006 and 2008, for that matter. Oh my God, this is so. I, this is so much harder than I expected it to be. Um, I mean, you. Let me just tell you this: with the remaining two guys, um, you've already named them, so they they they're already on this list somewhere else for 2006 and 2008. So I've named them, but incorrectly. No, no, no. You, you've named them at other... They've started on other opening days. So 2006, then, is, is um, Eric Bedard. Is not. Really? No. And it's not Kevin Millwood. No. Because he came later. Um, is it Rodrigo again? It is Rodrigo. 
Okay. He started from, you know, on 2003, 2005, and 2006 for Lopez. Is, is, is 2008 Guthrie? It is. Jeremy really? Guthrie. I can't believe it's been that long. Yep. I, I, I can't Guthrie. believe he was here that long ago because I didn't realize he'd already been here for four or five seasons when they traded him in 2012 to the yeah. Rockies for Hamill. So you just gained so, two no. points. You've got nine and a half out of ten. So, so <laughs> let's see if we can get the last name. Pat. Oh, my gosh. And I can even picture his stupid face. <laughs> um... Oh my God! I just googled to see what he looked like. I'd, I'd never seen him before. So, as soon as you tell me, like I, I don't want you to tell me, but I also don't want to waste a ton of time. Sure, already done a lot of time. What's the first letter? H. Pat Henkin. Correct. There Pat you go. Pat Henkin. I knew there was a G in there. Yep, that's uh, it. Pat Henkin. Damn. Good job. 10 out of 10. Well, that's impressive. Kind of. We warmed you up. No, I mean, it, that's, a, that's a fair 10 out of 10. I, but there's, that's a fair I, there's, a, there's a time limit on this feud thing. There's no way mm. that would have had an opportunity yeah. to get all those guys. I, well, hopefully, Pat isn't one of the answers to yeah, family but, feud. Or maybe, hopefully, it is now. Maybe. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I, guess, I guess now. Pat, Pat Henkin. That was a great trivia question. That was, that was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that, good. That was good. awesome. Thank you very much for that. So, final thoughts. Um, for this show today, <sighs> I should prepare these ahead of time. But like, I have one. If you want me to go first, yeah, you go first. Give me Nelson Cruz. I'm all of a sudden on the Nelson Cruz train. Um, if he's still looking to get into it, uh, which I believe he is, bring me Nelson Cruz. If you don't end up with a guy like JD Martinez, then I, I would love to see Cruz with his leadership, with his power ability, have one more year in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I mean. I think it'd be cool for nostalgia, but I think that it's been proven last year that his his, he, his best days are definitely behind him. Yeah. Um, all right. So for me, my final thought is, guys, the, the off season doesn't start and end at the winter meetings, and there's a lot of people like, oh, the Orioles haven't done anything, and Michael Elias lied to us, and look, I I, I don't like the comments that he made backpedaling from. And, and, I don't want to say backpedaling because it's a negative. It's a negative well, thing it was to just say taken about out of context in the right, first place. Right, it was taken out of context in the first place, and he's taking a step back from that to say, "Why didn't you clarify your statements when you made them?" Mm-hmm. Right, when you made the statement of liftoff, why not clarify it then, or clarify it in September or October when you had the chance, well before the winter meetings? Because now it just looks like you went to the winter meetings and realized that, and we're kind of playing with confederate money like Sid Thrift and Mike Flanagan used to say and realize we don't have what it takes to get these guys so now yeah. let me take a step that's what it looks like it looks like backpedaling and so for lack of a better term that's what I'm calling it uh, it's a bad look right it's a it's a really bad look but you have two months left of this offseason I don't expect Carlos Rodon and nobody else should nobody uh, rephrase that we should expect the Orioles to spend money because they have the set, one of the two lowest payrolls in baseball. We should expect them to spend money. But you need to know that they're not going to. Not that kind of money. Not that kind of commitment. Um, so let's kind of pump the brakes on saying that Elias needs to go and that he lied to us, this, that, and the other. If ownership told Mike Elias, hey, I want you to go out and get Carlos Rodon and make a serious run at Trey Turner, Mike Elias would have done that. You have to remember that He's not the boss. He, the boss is the, the the boss's boss is the one running the show, and that's and that's John Angelos, right? He's the one telling him what he can and cannot do. Now, look, Michael Elias isn't going to suddenly say, "Oh, we're here, 
let's go spend a ton of money. He has a plan in place for this rebuild. I trust his plan for the rebuild. I'd like to see him spend the money. And I think that he still will bring somebody in. I don't think Nomar Mazzara and Kyle Gibson are the big names that they signed for this during this offseason. I expect more signings. Maybe it won't come till the middle of January because of the holidays. It's not over. This offseason isn't over. Like I said, it doesn't begin and end in the winter meeting. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's wait and see what happens. If you're an Orioles fan, you're used to this anyway by now. So let's see what's going to happen here. It, it, the offseason doesn't end at the, at the closing bell of the winter meetings. So that's my final thought. Before we get out of here, Ravens going up to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. They're 8-4. and four. They're in first place in the division because of the head-to-head win over the Bengals. The Bengals are coming. They're coming. They are. They're, they're really hot right now. Those Bengals are so hot right now. A little Zoolander <laughs> reference. Um, Look at Lam- you, Mr. Uh, ben Stiller over here. Lamar Jackson's injured, and he's not going to play this week. Probably won't play next week either. No. The Ravens are with Tyler Huntley. Yeah. Can beat the Steelers. Yeah. I don't think the Steelers are very good. Uh, they're 5-7. and seven. They have some surprising wins under their belt. The Ravens can and should beat the Steelers with Tyler Huntley. Yeah. They've, there's been no runaway victory for them no. this year, unless you, except the game against the Saints and the second half against the against the uh, Buccaneers. Um, I don't. Ronnie Stanley should be back. J.K. Dobbins may be back. So if you have Dobbins, Edwards, and Drake in that backfield, and Justice Hill for that matter, and you have impressive. a healthy yeah. Ronnie Stanley on the left side of that line, I look for the Ravens to run early and often. I'm going to say Ravens. I think I I, I definitely predicted uh, made a prediction last week about this game. I'm going to say Ravens uh, 24. No, Ravens 21, Steelers 13. So I don't think the Ravens are going to score that many points, um, and I don't think the Steelers are either because both teams, especially with Tyler Huntley at quarterback, and with if uh, what the Steelers have had going on offense this year has been far from impressive. So I don't really think it's going to be a high scoring game. If I would, if I was betting on this game, I'd bet if it, if the over under was around forty, I'd definitely bet the under. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's at thirty six. Uh, at thirty six, thirty seven, thirty seven. I'd probably take the under still. I, I'm going to go sixteen to. 10 Ravens 16, 16 10, 10 Ravens yeah, yeah. look the, the Ravens defense is healthy mm-hmm. and uh, Humphrey's probably going to be on pickings all yeah. day Kenny Pickett is still a young quarterback he's playing better yeah. he's, he's become more of a he's not turning the ball over and he's become a game manager yeah. which is really all they could ask from him in his rookie season but he's steadily improving um, but this Ravens defense I think despite what, what we saw against uh, Jacksonville in the, at the end of the game this Ravens defense is still really good, yeah. and they're, it is. they're and they're for the most part healthy. Marcus Williams could be back soon. The Ravens defense is going to shut down. I think the wasn't Marcus Williams supposed to be back this week? I believe that was the they 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 the have rumor. they have to activate they have him, to activate him. Yeah, you know he could be a healthy scratch. Yeah, um, but yeah. they they have to, if he if he's back, then I fully expect the Ravens defense to just completely I, dominate. Yeah, the, I, I, I'd be surprised if the Steelers scored a touchdown. But if, I believe if that's the case. I believe PFF. Um, if you go by their grades at all, I don't know if you you follow them too mm. much, but they have uh, at least a week ago they had Kyle Hamilton number rated one as the, Gino, the best safety is and Geno Stone is number three. So honestly, that was a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago. But you have to wonder. Uh, Marcus Williams will bring a, a, a better presence than both of those guys. But man, they they both played really well in his absence, and Kyle Hamilton should be back this week. It, it looks like he's going to be playing. He, he played last week. He did, but in a limited role. Yeah. So I'm I'm thinking he's going to play full this week. It, it should yeah. be. So. 
the Ravens are eight. Like I said, they're in for their first place, but it yeah. feels like the sky is falling on the season. Just ask any Baltimore fan. Well, with no, not and, Lamar and, Jackson, and, and nobody's confident about the team. Even yeah. with Lamar Jackson, I mean, they weren't. They, yeah. they aren't scoring a ton of points. But look, find a way to win three more games. Mm-hmm. Get yourself yourselves into the playoffs. And then you have your healthy offensive line, you have your healthy Lamar Jackson, your healthy yeah. running backs, your healthy defense, and make a serious run at a Super Bowl. Because look, they had two games in a row against the Buccaneers and against the Saints where they really didn't have Mark Andrews or Rashad Bateman, mm-hmm. and they won both of those games. You can win without Rashad Bateman. He's been a huge loss for this team. Obviously, they don't have a number one receiver anymore. He's been a huge loss for this team, but if you can get you can get Lamar and the running game healthy again, yeah. the the key here is you have to stop losing guys every game. Yep, they are losing a significant player yep. every single game. You lost Bateman, you lost Ronnie Stanley. Now that you've lost Lamar Jackson, you lost, you cannot continue to lose key contributors. Every game. What's it's, the word on Stanley? Is he going this week? He was he was listed as a full participant, oh, okay. he, and he doesn't great. he doesn't have an injury designation. That's great. So he should be going. And if if Dobbins is back and he's J.K. Dobbins again, yeah, it's, that's big for this team. Yeah. So we'll see. Again, Zach has the uh, the Ravens taking down the Steelers sixteen to ten. I have the Ravens winning twenty one to thirteen. We'll see how it plays out. Thank you so much to Stan the fan Charles for his weekly segment. Thank you to all of our sponsors uh, for each and every week. And thank you, the special thanks to Paul Moncano being a last-minute guest and just knocking it out of the park for us. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. We will see you next week on the Battle Round. Until then, see ya!